welcome to Cartoon Casual. And I believe summer has arrived, Paul. What do you think about that? God almighty, yes it has. About a month early, I think, right? Yes, it arrived with a slap to the sweaty ass. It's terrible. <laughs> it is, and uh, I, I do believe, um, if you call a snowbird in the winter, go south, what do you call these people that are coming up to the high country to get out of the heat? What, do you, what are they called? Is there a name? Phoenicians. I think it's what we call them, actually, Phoenicians. Because you pointed out that there were a number of Phoenicians that came up from Phoenix. Yes, so so many, so many people coming from places that are so so much hotter than it is here. Yes, which blows my mind because it's it was like 110 today. Oh, that that was a cool in. off. They let me get my sweater, my. Oh, and they, yeah, when it's 120 <laughs> in Phoenix and the pavement's 150 degrees. They, well, let's go on up to the high country where it's only 110. Do you, do you figure most of these people that uh, that came in uh, to the brewery, I guess, right? They yeah. Came in? Okay. Oh, yeah. Do you think that they were uh, they were going to sojourn up the mountain eventually? That's what they were all going to do? I would say a, a quarter. A okay. quarter of the people that I know came in from out of town said that they were specifically coming by here. getting They were getting growlers filled. They, they uh, asked, where's a good place to get cheap ice, so on and so forth. And then they were headed up to camp. Gotcha. A couple of them had rented cabins that I had heard of and they're getting out of the heat because, I mean, let's face it, it's easier to come up to Kingman and then go to the Wallapai Mountains than it is to drive oh, hell yeah. up to Flagstaff and try and fight somebody, you know, yep. you know, your three or four million people that live in Phoenix. Now, the when they uh, were the people that came up that uh, you kind of brought up to them, hey, you're heading up the mountain, and then that didn't they never really knew that existed, that was an option kind of thing? Like, there were several people that overheard me talking to the other folks. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what, what, uh, how would you get up there? And I, I, a couple of people were given directions. Um, like we had talked about earlier, uh, Tim printed up a map. From England. Yeah, it's an English couple mm -hmm. coming through because it's not hot enough in England, I guess, right now. Yeah. Or ever. Maybe they're trying to get out of all the rain. Is England getting pelted also with all this weather or not? I know they're getting... I don't know. It's I, I, big, though. It's bad. It's bad. Southern Germany is and uh, and and parts of France were, are getting they're like Texas flood bad. Yeah. So I, I saw France and in Germany as well. So so anyway, that's how hot it is, and that's what we're experiencing now. Like I said, it's about 100. I think 106 today is where it peaked. I think it's going to be close to that tomorrow. And uh, the whole idea is to stay cool, and we're doing our best. I'm failing at it. Actually, I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here, just trying to sweat. It's great. Well, you're, you are succeeding, and uh, and I think that one should always try to stay cool. It's difficult, to, hot enough for you. You hear that quite often. That's always a pleasure to. Oh, that's and this is something I've actually discussed on other podcasts because I <laughs> double D podcast. Look it up, doubledpodcast.com. Uh, those guys are all they're mailmen, and they one of the their favorite things to hear is is it hot enough out there for you? Uh huh. And they really just want to break people's face oh, little sure. old ladies down to little kids it doesn't really matter if you say that to your mailman you're you're immediately kind of a dickhead yes please don't say that to your mailman because he's out there slaving away or she's out there slaving away your postman lady i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure they have some yeah. good comebacks though i'm sure they've got a few oh no they don't have any comebacks because they're they're in uniform and they can't oh, they, they have can't. to just kind of service with a smile oh yeah like oh, oh yeah, yeah you know it's it's super hot out yeah, and i'm warm on the verge of heat stroke and have no ac in my truck speaking of trying to stay cool i haven't really been keeping up with this maybe you have what's the story on the splash pad i have not heard anything uh the splash pad i i 
It was supposed to be on Memorial Day. I believe that what they were shooting for Memorial. That is weekend. correct. The last I heard anything about it was that it, there was a delay. And you know, for those of you listening that have no idea what we're talking about, uh, the you had several or a group of, of individuals abandoned together to uh, start or get a, get a, establish a splash pad, a little mini water park here in Kingman to kind of cool off. They exceeded their goal of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and got over three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! In uh, donations from local businesses and and, and local. Uh, sponsors and, and, and so on and so forth. And where is this? Uh, I, I, to be honest, I've never even driven by to see the how it's Cecil going. Cecil Davis Park. Cecil Davis Park is right off of, I'm sure somebody will correct me at some point. I think it's Adams Street. So if you're driving Walpi Mountain Road, say like on the going home side of the road, as you would say, Paul. Going home. To your home. Oh. From downtown. From downtown going up the hill kind of and direction. And first left that you can take past railroad. If that makes sense, yes. There's a there's a small park there. It's a neighborhood park, but it's prime. So you turn left. How far down the road is it? Two yeah. blocks. Okay. Okay. And there's a park there, okay. and that's where they thought, okay, this is the best place to put it because there's a bunch, there's a portion of it that's undeveloped, okay. and that's where they're going to develop it. Anyhow, the last I heard was maybe a month ago, and that they were, it was delayed because the original contractor they were going to go through to build it had to back out because they couldn't get permits done quick enough and that it was still kind of stuck in permit hell, which you and I have talked about at length. So I, from what I understand, they were getting the permits re-pulled and redone for a new contractor, and that was a, a month ago. I have not heard an update since. Here's what's interesting, and I don't know the full story, and maybe you know more of this. When you say it's stuck in permit hell, it's funny because the city was directly involved with approving the splash pad, right? And so are you saying the, the permits were... A problem with the city permits? No, I don't believe it's a problem with the city. The problem was with the contractor, and the contractor would not be able to meet the deadline that they oh. that they put forth. Never mind. And then you have to redo all of the permits again, okay? Because it's for a different a, a different company altogether. So I understand. I don't believe it was a city issue. We can't uh, amazing fingers at that. Yeah. So, um, have you driven by the location to see any progress at all? I don't think there's been any progress. I don't. I, I have not. I don't. Well, there's. You can't do anything. Sure, without a permit. Are, are done, uh, especially Holy on crap. city. Pro- yeah, city property. You can't really. And it's 106 right now. I wouldn't mind going to this. Be kind pad. of. I would just go there and just lay down and scare people. If you're like an older guy and you go to a splash pad. I think if you just got together a whole gang of old guys and just went there and kind of took over and just kind of sat there and that'd be funny. Played dominoes or something like that. That'd just get be your car table out, sit there and yeah. you know barefoot, no shirt, no sunscreen, really <laughs> short board shorts and just like the way you're painting the picture. I'm really yeah, just, just getting I, this in my head. Hopefully, everyone's getting a nice visual. <laughs> so, if, but if you go there by yourself, you know, old guy, then that's the creepy guy. Yeah, going that's the, the creepy guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and but if you take it over. That would be funny if it, you're a group of guys. It would be funny. See, that's the yeah. difference. You have a, you, you, yeah. you have one creepy old man is different than a group of creepy old men. Right. It, it just it's still now. You know what? No, I'm pretty sure it's unacceptable on all levels. <laughs> what you need to do is they need to have a service out there where you can just rent children. What? <laughs> that you could like? How about maybe an escort service for kids, where you have the kids. It, that make you look less creepy so you can go to playgrounds not playgrounds oh. splash pads i got it like 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 my kid you know, she's she's a teenager i was hanging out it was like a roller coaster ride i'm telling you said where you could rent young kids <laughs> and i'm i'm on the big you know the roller coaster is climbing up to the first and i'm like hanging on wondering Just where chung, this chung, ride's chung, going chung, 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 chung. <laughs> and then 
then you saved it by, oh, I see now. You can rent. Where you'd be able to rent kids to legitimize you going to a splash pad that's right. typically only meant Because you want to cool off. That's your only real reason. Yeah, it's just, it's really, it's bleeding hot and you just want to cool off. But one guy going to the splash pad and a whole you bunch of kids around, it, 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 it makes you look bad. Yeah. Ha- having a kid you could rent for an afternoon. It's kind of like if you're yeah. a single guy and renting a lot of puppies and walking around in a mall. To, That's so great. Women, yeah. yeah. Or like uh, when my kid was really young and I was, uh, I was single, not that I'm with anybody now, but I was, it was newly, like freshly divorced. And okay. it was uh, amazing to me how many women absolutely just melted when they saw, see what they thought of, you know, like a single dad pushing Sure. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the little girl with a little bow in her hair, and mm-hmm. I had done that. And, like, and we're shopping, and I'm talking to her, and she's like two years old. It was amazing. That was anywhere around was town you would, you, would, you would do this? Walmart, and, uh, yeah. Walmart, Hastings, yeah. anywhere. It didn't matter. Porn okay. store, it didn't, it yeah, just sure. whatever. And uh, uh, the grocery store? Obviously, the grocery store. Yeah, that, and that was an easy that one. was the big one. Yep. And it was like, oh, sweetie, would you like some bananas? You love bananas. We'll get some Cheerios, too. And somebody goes, oh, that's so sweet. You guys are going to da, 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 da. Do you want to hang out? I'm like, yeah, why don't you come over? We'll have dinner. I'm... <laughs> uh, Pan- pants, uh, panties, optional. Yeah, pants are optional. Pants are always optional they on are. this podcast. They... Absolutely. People will learn that eventually. Mm-hmm. The word will come out. You can't can't slow it down. You can't, you can't, you can't stop this train. <laughs> uh, speaking of grocery stores... Um, I remember this is kind of on the same, you know, you know, attractive women kind of mode kind of thing. I was, uh, shopping in the Atlanta metro area grocery. And there was this, you know, I, I will uh, right now, I will just say that I'm attracted to, uh, brunettes with brown eyes. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where it comes from. Honestly, my, it's not like a mother thing. Like she was, I was raised around, she was green eyes and, and brunette, my sister, also green, green, blue eyes. I hope and your sister would not mold like who you would be attracted to, but it is the South. <laughs> it does Proceed. happen. I no, don't judge. No, Joe. I'm, not, I'm not judging your, your sister girlfriend. I have, I've lived in the South. That, a lot. So that somehow legitimizes your weird incestual. It's not, I'm just saying about. I'm not really attracted to her. <laughs> That's all. I'm you're not, saying. you're not really in, in spite of qualified. In spite of growing up in the South, you are not attracted to your sister. Yep. Good for you to buck the whole stereotype thing. <laughs> that's that's great. Breaking glass ceilings, mm-hmm. Joe. Glass ceilings, shards of glass <laughs> everywhere. So back Anyhow, to the grocery store. Was this Alpharetta, Georgia? Yeah, uh, no. It was, uh, I'm, saying, I'm trying to think exactly which. It had to be in the Marietta area, and I'm trying to think of which store it was. And I don't exactly. Golly, I don't. I just said golly. Yeah, you did. Piggly, was it Piggly Wiggly or was it the A and P, Mr. Yeah, Gaines? Might, might have been uh, uh, Harris Teeter. Could have been Harris Teeter. Harris Teeter. Okay. That was. I'm not sure they're around anymore. You but anyway, get your bananas and banjos. Yeah. So th- this was actually in the shockingly enough in the produce section. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. Mm. You know, I I really don't remember which part of the produce section that she was in, but Cucumbers. I saw her. Cucumbers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So. So she was, um, I'm gonna guess five seven, long kind of slightly wavy brunette hair down about the middle of her back. These big old brown cow eyes, which by the way, the uh, uh, you know in Latin, old Roman times, it was a compliment for a girl who had you know cow eyes. I would I would say that it's still a compliment. Yeah. But, uh, you you may have to explain it a couple times, but word would spread. Yeah. Doe eyes would be the same there thing. There you go. They would, right. So Essentially the, the same thing. Just to, these big old brown, whatever. And I, I couldn't, you know, I thought, oh, it's one of those things where you cannot, it's hard to take your eyes away from her. And I knew I wasn't going to be the creepy guy and, hey, you know, 
Like, hey, what are you doing with that banana? Exactly. But you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I watched her for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love your I'm, concept of time, Steve, <laughs> Stephen fucking Hawking. Okay? Still. No, I only watched her. I, really, it was only May 15th. I went, holy cow. I got to you know, get it together. I'm on a mission here. I got a list of crap. I'm doing whatever. And so I, I shopped. And then I, you know. I'm not going to say I stalked her, but I hunted her down in the grocery store again. That's stalking. Is hunting still? I uh, shouldn't well, say hunt. There's, there's, I, I don't know. It's a very loose definition. Let's see the end game result. It wasn't like Let's Elmer see. Fudd where I was tiptoeing. Very, very, very quiet. <laughs> so I didn't Elmer Fudd her. <laughs> you didn't beat her with Elmer a shotgun? Fudder. You were. You sound like me talking about being able to rent kids. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It, I'm making it more creepy than it was, as far as I recall. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, I've located her. Let's put it that way. Nothing, nothing sounds mm-hmm. good here. But I, I found her again, and I decided what I was going to say to her because I knew I wasn't going to pick her up at the grocery store. I think she probably wouldn't have been interested in me anyway. But I decided what I was going to do is just tell her that I noticed her and how attractive I thought that she was. And I told her point blank, I am not here, and I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And I told her that, how attractive, beautiful she was. And I said, I just wanted to let you know. And I said, you have a nice day. And then I walked off. Did she chase you down? As I was walking away, she said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Whatever. She didn't chase me down, but she acknowledged it rather than saying, creep. Yeah, you know? or like blowing her rape whistle or something right, like that. Right, she didn't do that. But so I think she truly was taken aback a little bit because I wasn't a, the normal kind of creepy guy who was going to stand around and make her as uncomfortable as possible while she's looking at yogurt. <laughs> Well, she's like, do I go with the Activia so I can poop good, or do I just buy Dannon because I'm, I want to spend $4 I'm not, I'm not sure it. if feminine pooping yogurt was out then. Oh, oh. This is pre- Feminine pooping yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> good Lord. Okay, so it was pre-probiotic trend. It was. It, yeah. was pre, it, was just, it was just yogurt. Just regular old yogurt. But she was, she was just stunning. And she wasn't. It wasn't made up. Stunning. It wasn't bullshit. Stunning. It was just you. Just you knew by looking at her, going, "Wow, she is put together." Probably had no makeup or very little makeup. Knew how to stand. Knew how to walk. That's important. And that is not looked at enough by people. I think how someone walks. I I I believe you when you say that. I actually uh, one of our uh, guests today Mm -hmm. later on. Uh, is taught me many many years ago that you can tell a lot taught about you how to a walk. Woman. No, taught a taught me. <laughs> <laughs> taught me that you can tell a lot about a woman by the way that she walks. Mm-hmm. And then I started applying that to other people. And if you if you look, you can tell by the way people walk, the way they literally carry themselves. Yep. What kind of person they are, and you can kind of guess what they are. It's a type of it's a type of weird profiling. Sure. Part of social engineering, which is something I. Kind of are they going somewhere yeah. kind of thing? Are they got a plan, yeah, you a can plan tell, in you their can, life, well, a plan in that moment? You can tell by their person's posture and how they're walking and about you know, their, their current emotional state, whether or not they're a confident person, whether they have self-esteem issues. You can tell all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. And something like that, just a, you know, seeing a, 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 an hourly, like if she were just standing there looking at you and it was just a snapshot, okay, fine, she's attractive and all that. But to see someone move and you can tell they're like picking up a fruit and they're sniffing that, 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 and they, 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 they smell the underside of the, uh, the pineapple. <laughs> I don't know why I went French there for a second, but they, they smell the underside <laughs> of the pineapple. Pineapple's not really a French. A, a pineapple. Yeah. Je, it should, should je m'appelle pineapple. No, it's, uh, if you 
<laughs> to see how they just to move. how they interact with their surroundings. You yes. just kind of sit there and watch somebody, which sounds creepy, but we all do it. Yep. I'm just talking about it, or we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. You can tell a lot by uh, by looking at a person. Just if you just pay attention for even 30 seconds, you can tell what kind of a person they are. Absolutely. And guarantee that woman, if she's that strikingly beautiful that she caught your attention like that, she she probably has had a lot of creepers. Yep. And I guarantee you, to this day, what was that? 20 years ago. 25 years ago? Uh, probably about, maybe? probably close to 20, sure. She probably still remembers that compliment to this day. She might. I guarantee you she does. She might, yeah. Um, I, I made, I paid a compliment to a woman a long time ago, back back before the brewery opened, when we were still working out of the garage and uh, asking for donations, essentially, and giving beer away, that uh, I had never seen her before, and she was just, like you said, she just, like, absolutely, just kind of devastatingly... Mm-hmm. Gorgeous and well put together, but not dressed up. She didn't have a mm-hmm. shitload of makeup on or anything like that. She just looked nice. And she walked up and she's like, um, I, she's kind of awkward and she was by herself. My, my friend said that, that you guys have really good beer here. I, I really like craft beer. I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, welcome to the garage. And da, 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 my name's Joe and shook her hand. And I was like, and I, she was rattling off what kind of beer she likes. And I was going through my whole spiel and figuring out what kind of beer she would want to taste or drink. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I kept getting distracted and kind of stuttering over my words, which is not something I normally do. She had you. And I, she did. <laughs> I, and I just, I, I had to stop and go, you know, I have to say something. You are absolutely intoxicating. Do you know that? And she's like, and then she ran away. No, she goes, yeah. that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And I said, yeah, you're literally intoxicating. I don't stutter. I don't stumble over my words. I'm normally fairly well-spoken. Mm-hmm. And you did that to me. You reduced me to that and by th- just walking in and being really just. And that woman and nice. was. And that woman was Cindy Crawford. No, that wow. was. Wow. And that's. She's got very large feet. Story. You she do does, know this. Yeah, I've. I've Remember I, us speaking I've about this. Seen her feet. I'm not gonna get into that right now. So I'm gonna hold that it's, later it's, on. It, she walk on. But what's what's she? No, was she brunette like Cindy Crawford? Uh, she was like or a whatever. like a kind of a strawberry blonde. Do you know her now? Um, did you? Did she? Yeah. Did, oh, so you you yeah, know her? Yeah, and I didn't. I hadn't seen. Her. I I hadn't. I she was she was visiting. She was visiting Kingman, and had heard. She she knew the owner, of the establishment, all that, and and, and just kind of had heard about this. And some friend of a friend, and she decided she would show up. Tim knew her. I didn't know who she was. Okay. And I had first met her that night, and I was, you are absolutely intoxicated. I said that. She goes, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Yeah. And uh, we talked, and, and it was just, and, and I mean, she had a boyfriend. It wasn't like I was hitting on her. Sure. I was just, just like you. Like, and like she could probably tell store. you weren't hitting on her either by you know, how yeah, you said Yeah, absolutely. It and and yeah. just having a conversation. She's like, yeah, my boyfriend's uh, da, da, da. I'm like, oh, what does he do? And we just had, it was just two people Anomaly, having a conversation. Yeah. It was just one person paying another person a compliment. It's just like if you said you have a nice car, that's a nice shirt. And there's nothing more attractive about an attractive woman that can just speak with you normally and not have any pretense or not have any yes. air about them. Like, I know I'm shit hot. And you know I'm shit hot, so I'm going to be shit hot over here. And and I know that that yeah. goes both ways for, sure, for, for men and women, too. Because I've talked, I, you know, talking, well, you know, working at the hospital with mostly women, uh, a strong majority of women. Yes. Uh, so I think I calculated out to like 80 to 1 ratio or something like that. Of, uh, of, 80, of, to, 80 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, there's like something like 1,600 people that work there, and it's less than 200 that are, uh, that are men. I'm that's not the sure last, that's right. the last I heard. And that's, I don't know, 80 to 1? That's close enough. 16, you do the maybe. I'm not going to do the math. Stephen Hawking, why don't I'm you not do the gonna, math I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. You've already done the math in your head. I know no, you. No, I really haven't. I truly haven't. But I just thought that was a little bit off. 
I don't know, 80 to 1, whatever. That's a good I'm going to fantasize about that. So go ahead. So you've, Oh, don't fan. It's not as it's not as cool as you think. It like oh. it's on the surface. It's it's like it's like uh, silver plated copper. Like it's great. Yeah. Until you really just barely scratch the surface and go, "Oh shit. Oh no. Shit, that's a lot of people of the opposite sex." It's not it's, it's not the mother it, load. And it's not even so much that it's the opposite sex and this has been my observation is that Anytime you have an overabundance of the same sex, whether it's men or women, the pro- there's, the problems are similar. They're completely different problems, but the, the type but of... But they're problems. The, they're still problems. Yeah. You know, you have too many men working in one place, and you get, like, just so much testosterone. You have yeah. guys trying to out-pecker contest the other one. Yeah. And you get too, a lot of women in one place. You get a lot of backstabbing and this and this and this and this and this, and it's... They're it, they're both shitty situations and they're they're but they're and they're both just as e- like equally as bad. Sure. Uh, but anyway, working with a lot of women is a good thing, which we I've mentioned a dozen times. Well, it's good practice through. in a way. You get to t- you you get to be comfortable around them. Yeah, it's kind so. of like uh, if you ever watch the I know you've seen this movie, The Devil's Advocate. Oh, with, uh, love it. Keanu, Keanu Reeves, right? Yes. And Al Pacino, and Al Pacino is interviewing Keanu Reeves, so coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's, He's all, uh, I like the way Pacino's always kind of. Licking his teeth, kind of. He is, uh, yeah, very. I'm a fan of man. Like I love that. The whole the the whole movie is great, but the, the in the beginning that was pretty damn close. That that right there <laughs> was that a pretty. Good, I actually it's in a fantastic movie. Drama class. I did the monologue. His like the the ending monologue. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, he's interviewing Keanu Reeves and asking, "Well, how you know Keanu Reeves has a stellar record of of uh, of prosecuting." Mm-hmm. And, or of, uh, of not, I'm sorry, he's a criminal defense attorney, but he worked in the prosecutor's office for five years before he went to be a criminal defense attorney because he likes money. Yep. And Al Pacino asked him, how did you get so good? And he goes, honestly, between me and you, the men's restroom in the whatever county courthouse that he was in in Georgia or Florida or whatever, the men's restroom has a hole into the jury room. The uh, the jury like the deliberation room yes. or whatever for the jury. I remember this. And but I, I don't just, remember it. Go I would ahead. go in and I would just listen, listen to how juries talk with each other, and I can pick a jury out, and I just kind of know how to play to that. So then when I went to the other side, I just use I just play that up. He's picking the pieces and of the he, game ahead of time, and, and yeah. Al Pacino goes, "Oh my God, that's brilliant!" And he goes, "Yeah, it's brilliant. Just don't tell the uh, district attorney's office in that <laughs> county. Like, they don't. They would. They would probably not be." too appreciative or, the, or right. I think it said Florida State Bar yes I remember it was Florida yep. that's kind of how I am working at that hospital there's two facets to it one it's great working with all those women because and there's a hole somewhere that you actually listen to and watch them through. no I'm just I'm considered oh. I'm, I'm no longer I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a man I'm not a woman I'm just Joe so I'm just I just sit there they'll talk about boobs and everything. periods and everything and guys and, the, and how they're treated and all this other shit and mm. In the beginning, it was like, well, this is a target-rich environment. And now it's gotten to the point where this is more market research than anything. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's good to be around all those women for my love life and knowing how to not so much treat women because I was raised with enough respect for women to know I already know how to do that, but how the different sexes and how, the, how our brains work differently and how we see things from a different perspective. Well, that's a real good— and then there's the, But then the other facet is I've got this daughter that I don't know— I. It's all, I'm, not only am I a guy, but it's all men in my family, except for my mom. And she might as well be one of the guys because she's been around. Well, this has been very so good long. training for you as your daughter gets older. And it, it has been yeah. six years. I've been there since Portia was nine years old. And it's just, damn it. I said her name again. I'm going to cut that out <laughs> since she was nine years old. I've just been, it's like, uh, they've, 
they help me out and, I, and they're like, oh, Joe, what's the matter? I said, oh, well, the boobs came in or this, there's this or there's whatever. And it, it, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of nice to sure. have those folks to lean on because I've become really, really close friends with a lot of these people. Well, the other thing I was thinking about, you're talking about, that's more of a, a study. You said it's more of a learning process. It's more of, like you said, a, a, what was the word you use? An educational experience, but there was some Market else. research. Market or, research, that's yeah. right. And I thought you are going somewhere else with that because I've got a good, uh, my best friend in, uh, in South Carolina where I also worked, my business was there as well. He's an attractive guy. There's no question about it. He honestly could have been a male model at some point. Very nice guy, but his father... Uh, was decent looking also, and he's uh, since uh, passed away, but an older guy with salt and pepper hair, knew how to talk to everybody, and it was so funny, we would go into town, this is in the middle of old South Carolina, you know, to where it's, it's you know, a lot of blacks, a lot of whites, whatever, it doesn't matter, but we're talking very integrated, and his spanks would come in, and, and they would pick cucumbers when they, when they were ready to pick, and just, it was, and this was going on the whole time, uh-huh. but, um, I don't want to sound weird, but it just this is what was what was happening. So, so uh, my friend Tommy would no matter where we were, we'd go grocery shopping at the worst store it was, and there could have been any woman that was there. Didn't matter how old she was, or black, white, Hispanic, or you know married with uh, ten kids, he would flirt with every single woman that he he encountered. And I saw this, and I knew that he's he could really get about any woman in the town, small town. He could get any of them, and he did. But I saw this all the time, and I and I said I asked him. So what are you what are you doing there? I'm just curious. He goes, what? You know, I said you're you're flirting with everybody I've seen you talk with, every female that you have zero interest in. And I know because we all you know you can just tell. He goes, oh, it's something I learned from my father years ago. He did the same thing because if you do that with everybody, then when the one that kind of comes along, you're kind of interested in it. Just it's just it natural. flows. It's natural, and that's what it was with him. He can talk to anybody any woman about anything and just not get flustered and i've gotten flustered before like we've talked about and you oh, said yeah. you did with that uh with that woman i've so. gotten better at it uh i can tell you you know having one having worked at the around around lots of women mm-hmm. helps because you kind of learn how the opposite sex thinks because you're kind of privy to it because you're uh, like I said, in, uh, the one of my favorite movies of all time with uh, is called Just Friends, and he uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds is talking to his friend about a day date and how you should never have a day date with a woman you wanting to wanting to possibly bed down with, because as soon as you have a day date, that turns you guys into friends. It's a friend zone. Immediately. You are friend zoned yeah. immediately, and you are no longer attracted to. She's you are no longer a sexual object object to her. You're a you're like a couch or a lamp or mm-hmm. her brother. Mm-hmm. That's and that's what you do. So you you learn you learn these little stupid tricks, and a lot of it is bullshit. Sure, we can throw that out there. It's a lot of it is Absolutely. bullshit. Absolutely, but but like you had said with uh, you said Tommy, Tommy, yeah, Tommy doing mind, yeah. that. I've learned how to do that uh, to get over any sort of confidence issues I ever really had working behind a bar because yep. there's a and we've talked about this. There's a sense of empowerment working behind a bar, and, and, it's and the, really and the physical bar makes a difference, doesn't it? Because there's a bar There's right there literally a physical barrier in between you and that other person yep. and you're in a service role you're serving them which immediately puts some some most people at ease because they come to you and they're asking you for something mm-hmm. and providing a service and then it kind of gets your brain working a certain way and yep. i'm sure you've seen me do it it doesn't matter who walks through that door if they're a little flirtatious i'll ramp it up i sure, will be ramping it up from there because yep. it's good for tips it's good for meeting people it's good for business 
having a smiling face. And, and there's no presumption. There's no, there is no, I'm that's, not, they walked in presumably to have a, that's the presumption right. to get a beer and to maybe cool off or whatever. That's why they're there. It's not like you walked across the room to go talk to her. There they are. Absolutely. You know? And they didn't come to you. They don't even know you're there. Maybe and that bang, there it is. So that, that makes it easier. That lowers the stress level of communication. It really does. And, yeah. and, and one of my other favorite things that, along that same vein is uh, seeing the typical creepy guy walking over to the girl and, hey, what's up, baby? How you doing? Yeah, you see this to, oh, all I see the time. So many times. Sometimes several times a shift. And whenever I can, if I know the person well enough and I know that, and they kind of look like they're either in distress or they're trying to get this this creepy person away from them. And I should say person, I shouldn't say guy going to the girl because it definitely goes both ways. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've definitely seen creeper women go after men. It happens not as often, but it does, but it does, it does happen. And it's even creepier if you stand back and watch it and go, wow, that's, she's predatory anyway. So one of my favorite things to do is, uh, Whenever I get a spare second, I see a situation like that, and it's worked 10 times out of 10. I've probably done it maybe 10, 15 times now, and every single time it works is to walk over there and just pretend to be the boyfriend. Sure. And I've already got a sense of kind of, uh, of, of, of power over somebody who's in the bar because I'm in charge. Kind of like say after this, where, where are we going after I'm off, whatever again, or yeah, something I've, like that? Yeah, I've done that. It's, it, yeah. Usually it goes something like this, walk over, I'll put my arm either on the back of like her chair, like a stool that she's sitting on, mm-hmm. and like, like, hey, honey, hey, sugar, whatever. Like, hey, honey, um, I'm going to be getting off here in about, you know, 30 minutes. Did you want to stick around and have a couple beers? Or did you just want to just go home and watch TV or something? And usually they'll they'll chime in and just roll right with it. They, they, go, they yeah, figure it know, out. They know what's I, going I think maybe on, I'll just yeah. sit around here and have a, have a couple beers. And I'll just take, I'll, as soon as she answers, okay, that sounds like fun. And then I'll look at the guy that, <laughs> you know, make con- eye contact with the guy that, if he hasn't already skedaddled. Sure. I, I will make eye contact. I'm like, Hi. What's up, man? And you know, oh, oh, uh, nothing. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and it's really funny because uh, I've seen a female bartender do the exact same thing for a guy when the woman, when there's a creepy woman doing the exact same thing. Sure. So it definitely goes both ways, and it's cool. It's a nice sense of empowerment and knowing if you do that, and that woman is single, and you just bailed her out, you are in. You are yep. in. If you were, if you were even th- contemplating. Even having just a conversation with this woman, you are in. I was going to say, yeah, at minimum, you've got a decent conversation with her and something else. And she will remember that. She'll remember you. Remember it forever. I've done that to people that I've never met before. Probably 50-50 people that I don't know and people that I do know. And the the ones that I didn't know before, I now am friends with. Uh If if they're still in town. Because a couple times it was people just kind of traveling through. And uh, I I absolutely love that aspect of it. I I love that... being in charge in an establishment, there's a lot of responsibilities that happen in you know in an alcohol in an environment where you're feeding people alcohol, which yeah. you, you understand that, and there is a sense of power that that is is I mean you really could use it for bad, and I've heard absolutely of, I've heard of bartenders yeah. doing that because you can be very manipulative. I really don't do that because uh, I also and, have and this to, town is too small to do that <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the problem. Say. That is that is a huge problem. It's a fantastic. Uh, no, I'm talking about of course Blackbridge Brewery. It's uh, it's getting. It seems to me there's more uh, people coming in, different clientele coming in. Again, we talked about this I think briefly before, but coming down from Phoenix on a regular basis, and there's just more. The word is getting out, and there's just more traveling people coming there. Absolutely on purpose. Well, we're getting into summertime where kids are out of school. So I and you know, in fact, the first 
first uh, party of like, I think eight people that came in today were traveling from Phoenix to beat the heat, spending the night in Kingman and then heading to Vegas tomorrow to stay in Vegas for five days. Oh, very cool. You also had a uh, tour bus come in. Isn't that happened? Oh, dear Lord almighty. Yes. I had a tour (laughs) bus, uh, Chinese tourists come in. It was probably 40, Mm -hmm. 40 different tours came in all at one time, which was no, really no problem. It was just, uh, I was not expecting it. I mean, I handled it. And you texted me when this was going on. Now, were they, uh, did most of them drink a beer or not? Oh, yeah. Or they bought, all bought, a lot of them bought shirts and stuff. Oh, said, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's shirts, uh, a couple hats, and, uh, and, and definitely beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of half pints, you know, things like that. Where, did you uh, know where they were headed to, or did you were just like, you got so slammed? You're headed, by yourself. They were headed to Grand Canyon Caverns. They, okay. had been, they had spent the early part of the day, the morning, uh, at the, the Grand Canyon West. Okay. Presumably, they came out of Vegas, went to Grand Canyon West, stopped yep. by the brewery. Uh, I know that I only saw about half the people on that bus. There was about 80 to 100 people on the bus. About half of them decided to go to the brewery because they didn't want to eat or whatever. Everybody else, they went to other places to eat. You, and then I think they were moving on to Grand Canyon Caverns is what they were doing. Do you know if the brewery was um, on there? Did you talk to the driver at all? Was I did on their not target? get a chance to talk to the driver. Normally, in that instance, they have the drivers that have an itinerary that – they will say, okay, we're going to stop here for an hour. We're going to get a beer. I need a list of this. And then they'll say what they like. And you have a, a, someone who speaks very good English mm-hmm. who, and speaks presumably the language that the, the, the tourists speak fluently so that, that he or she can figure out what kind of drinks or whatever they want. Today was a little different where I've, I've, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to presume and say more a higher education, mm-hmm. but they, every single person I saw or spoke to or I could hear could speak very clear English with very little accent, which I hadn't actually experienced too much with a tour bus situation, which is not, it's not super often that something like that happens. Sure. In me, at least on Saturdays, it's not a, it's not a huge. Now, this is a weird detail, but where did the bus park? Honestly, I don't. Why the frick does it matter, Paul? No, it kind of does matter, but I I actually don't know. Did you see it? Barrel by first? No, I did not. You just a whole bunch no, of I, people piled in. I just in. saw the the, uh, the door opened and and the, uh, and the about forty and the Chinese Vietnam War was on again. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, it was, I was surrounded by Charlie and uh, <laughs> Jesus, Paul. It's like a whole other subcontinent is where Vietnam is. I mean, do I need to get you a globe? No, I, I, yeah, no, I I got a. I ain't got no problem no Viet Cong. I'm sorry, I had to quote Muhammad Ali. From, he died yesterday. They're from Dong Dong Bang. Dong Bang. <laughs> That's what they were. This is so bad. <laughs> so, but, Do- no, but I have a Dr. Qu- Wynn, if you ever, if you ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> I, I, I love you. I love your country. I love your every, all the culture. You're such a, such a good person. I'm but, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if black, I'm just curious, was black bridge on to the driver? No, I don't know. I just wonder, or if they just said, Hey, we're going to downtown Kingman and y'all on your own. I know that we are on those lists. I don't know if they were, we were on that specific list. Okay. That is that is that is my unfortunately canned answer. I just don't I don't have a because that would be an, a fantastic obviously if that could be targeted unless you get tour bus. Oh my god, you get tour buses Who coming cares? in. I'd be okay with yeah, that. That'd be. I know that there's a lot of there. I know at least in Europe we're on uh, a lot of different tour companies that uh, we're on the, a list of of like things to do and, and places to go and you know drink and whatnot along Route 66. I mm-hmm. know that. We are on that, but that's a different kind of tour. That's not a tour bus. That's just uh, 
information from people that are nominal renting fee. a car or whatever and driving around. Yeah, people are they're flying into Vegas, renting a car, and then and or you know or wherever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes into L.A. and then they'll drive east, you know, things like that. And you'll have folks from all over Europe. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love working Saturdays uh, with with some consistency is that it's almost always when the tourists are try are driving through. And and, and, I, and you, you've lived here a lot longer than I have, but I I people have said this, and there there are more. There's more and more of this going on because again, not that many years ago downtown wasn't what it is now and Kingman was definitely still kind of is but it's changing was just a drive through get gas and grab a burger and get on the on the highway kind of it's true town, right yeah. so now it's 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 changing and you can it's, see it it's turning into a destination now it always was a bit of a destination for a lot of your uh western european tourists because of the strange uh, obsession that they have with the route 66 route 66 and the wild west and the southwest in general and did, did you close, know that? Go ahead. I'm, close I'm proximity to the Grand Canyon and so on. But now it's just being ramped up about probably tenfold from what it was even 10 years ago. I learned from someone who was involved with, uh, I can't remember who it was, after I moved here. And somewhere around the time that I moved here or a year or two after, um, the show, the syndicated show, the Black and White Route 66, just became syndicated in Europe. And that they said that kind of... Europeans started coming because of that show. I have no idea what that show is. I've never even heard of it. Really? Really? Wow. Does it? I feel ignorant. You could, when you get home this evening, you can certainly uh, look up the show Route 66, and you'll probably it's all over YouTube, I imagine. But yes, there was a a show. People were in the old Corvette. I think it was a was a uh, boat tail curve. Was a '61 or two? Or was it early one a '60 with the round butt and the forehead lights? I can't remember. I used to be really into the old crew, but right about I can't remember I, which model it was. I guess so. Holy and shit! I, I don't think, even know. I don't even know what you're babbling about. Like, well, the 58 through 60 Corvettes had four headlights okay. and a round butt. Okay. Kind of like a woman. Okay. Yeah. Oh, way to keep it professional, talk, Paul, with God. the text messages on the podcast. I'm, not, I'm looking at it. I can't see it, but it made a noise. I I apologize. Yeah, I turned my phone off. Yeah, I, that's the level I, of professionalism I, I have I here. I saw that, and uh, you know, you caught me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Then in '61, they kept the same front end with the. This is just fa- people. Got, some car fan is going to probably spank me because I'm not exactly right, but I think this is what happened. '61 is still the forehead light, same front end, but the back is no longer round like a woman's bottom. Like a bottom. Bottom. It's a nice and like pointed, and that's kind of where the stingray before the you know, and then they kind of then they pointed butt stayed, and then the front got more like a stingray in the uh, later uh, '60s. Got it. Like, that's what happened. Anyway. There were adventures on Route 66 with these. I think it was two dudes, and um, and they had this Corvette. And I don't know what year it was, but it's black and white show. And they were, and I'm not sure if they were driving all the way from Chicago to the Southwest, you know, the Santa Monica Pier, which is where it ends, kind of thing. I don't know if they were, or if it was mainly in the Southwest. I don't that part. I don't know. But there was a very popular show, and I believe it was just called Route 66. And back to my original thought, it had just gotten syndicated or was showing now in Europe. About seven or eight years ago, and that kind of explains some and of the influx. Kicked, and that kicked it off even more. I'll be damned. Yeah. I, did, I did not know that. Oh, that makes perfect sense, though. Sure. And, uh, and I noticed the brewery now, this is kind of, because I pointed this out to someone a few years ago as well. It's kind of cool you guys have a map 
up there now with little pins. Yes. And people can mark where they were from, I assume. And I, I encourage those folks to do it. I don't. I looked on my way out. I didn't see anybody put any pins into China. I don't think they understood the content, the the, uh, the the concept really. Maybe you could have explained Which to I them like have. acupuncture. Is that a Chinese or a Japanese? Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> you could have shown the pins, and you could have. I no. love your cultural appropriation. This is great. <laughs> I'm saying now that that's definitely Chinese medicine. Okay, you got it right. You, you are. could have. Mm-hmm. You're you could have shown fucking pinhead. I love it. Pinhead like, showing okay, the pinhead. It's like a it's like a acupuncture, but for the wall for the world. Let's say that China has some aches and pains. So China has aches and pains. Where would you put the pin? Wanna, and they would put it in my eye. Right. And they would go. Yep. That'll solve that one. Say. So, so you may want to. If over in the mainland China, in the western, northwestern China is hurting, you don't necessarily want to put a pin there. It may be coming from North Korea, for example. Could, the pain could, could be coming could be from North Korea. It could be from, it. from Taiwan, which is definitely a topic for a, a podcast today, oh, I yeah. think, is the... I, I always like the... Uh, I, I have a... Uh, or there used to be a doctor at the hospital that is from Taiwan. Okay. And she explained to me how oppressed those people are in Taiwan. Because they are still, they, you're they, saying, still to this day, yeah. And it a lot of it has to do with the fact that people, other countries, are afraid to do business with China, or are afraid to do business with Taiwan because they're afraid of not being able to do business with China. That oh, the U.S. is pissed off at them because well, they're... yeah, because China still the you know People's Republic of China thinks that they own Taiwan and yeah. Taiwan thinks that they own China. Yeah, <laughs> they they it's, it's and it's potential kind of like hotspot. A little bit. It's a warm spot right now. It's a little bit tepid, I would say. <laughs> it's a definitely ongoing tepidness. Anyway, I, I, I should have asked today where these folks were from, but I was just so damn busy because of it. Yeah. But anyway, no, it's kind of nice. It's really nice to see that level of uh, interest in the area. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely love it. They've really, I, I, I've yet to find or talk to a dissatisfied tourist that's come through Kingman. Which is great. It's such a it's such a good thing to hear. You well, would never think that. But one they, of the things is though, is it depends on who's there. Like you're you're you do a very good job at welcoming people and talking and engaging them, and uh, and you're you know you're kind of smart. At least you're you know that's a, you can fool some of the people some of the time, Joe. Yeah, sometimes. And some of us think that you're uh, you know that you are a smart man. I am not a smart man. And uh, so so you you are engaging and you're interested and uh, and that helps a lot. And uh, so you are kind of uh, an ambassador to. Literally the rest of the world in this case. Chinese were there today. Yeah. British were there today. Yep. Today. Today. Yeah. Today. Last week, uh, there was a Danish couple. There was a... And today, there was a couple from Delaware. That's almost a foreign country. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. those people were really interesting. Uh, yeah. Carrie and Jonathan, they got married about a week ago, two weeks ago, in Delaware and then embarked on this six-week road trip. They drove from Delaware all the way to Chicago, stopped off and met some friends, picked up Route 66, and are driving it all the way through. They're staying tonight in, in Kingman. Huh. And then uh, tomorrow they're driving to San Bernardino, which okay. is, and then, and then on to Santa Monica that's Pier. On, they're, on they're, the song. They're yeah. staying, they're staying, yeah, that's the whole thing, was hitting all the towns sure. in the song and all that. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. So that's you guys' honeymoon. And these guys, they're not... In their 60s or 70s, these people are like mid to late 20s. Oh, that's very and cool. I, 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 the resurgence I, is real. It's so cool. The, the, so I'm so glad you guys are here. And, they, and he's a home brewer. She loves craft beer and wine and all that. And they were hitting every single place they toured the Desert Diamond Distillery out here at the airport. And very the, cool. And and all that, and uh, which is really neat to hear. They they found out about Blackbridge, specifically Blackbridge from 
the folks at Desert Diamond That's fantastic. because of the the, yeah. the barrel uh, the barrels that they've given us to age beers in. So they they were here to do the tour at the distillery, and they right. went, oh hey, and they brought it up, and yeah. so they had some there and came down here. Absolutely, there are a lot of people that still don't know that live in this town that don't really know there's a brewery downtown. First yeah. of all, of course they obviously don't know there's a distillery at the industrial park and uh it just it's that fascinates me it absolutely fascinates me it 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 really kind of goes to show you that a lot of people are just kind of blinders on head down going through life and working for the weekend and all they do is they go to work they get home they sleep they get up to go to work they sleep and then they go to grocery shopping on saturday morning and they'll have a cookout and they they never do anything they they live in a town they, they exist in a town. They don't actually live in the town. Yes, and many people haven't also been up the mountain. They have not. They have no idea. They haven't yet. driven up the mountain, even just driven up, not to necessarily go to the restaurant up there or hike. They just have not. Just driven. It's beautiful. Headed it's a, up there. It's a neat change of scenery just to do it. But when I when I first saw it, I know we're getting we're gonna have to because we got a guest coming up. We do have a guest coming up. Yeah. Uh, in, but, in a little bit. But I was gonna point out that when I when I first moved here, before I moved here, I kind of checked out some things. I'd rented a car and just. Drove, took every main road out of Kingman for a couple hours just to see what was out yeah, there. Absolutely. And one of them was up the hill, and it, it really looked like almost a national park. You know, it's a county owned park. I right, know, it's, but, a, it's a county owned park, but it was, it was built by the, uh, uh, the WPA back in the, the uh, early 30s. Trying to get us out of the uh, Depression. Something, something to do. Get yeah. there and get your shovel and move some crap around. And they did. And did a good job up there. It was, and it's so nice up there. And I was blown away. I think that was one of the um, final things. I was deciding where to move. And I, like a I, deciding factor that just kind of. Yeah. I believe it was. I think I drove up the mountain and it was 20 degrees cooler. And I went, wow, I can hike up here because I did a lot of hiking back in Atlanta. And I, and I think that's, that's good enough. That's it. That's good enough for me because I imagined moving to the desert somewhere. And I, in my mind, was thinking big flat areas and, you know. A swirl cactus cartoon tumbleweed right. rolling, and that's what's going to be flat as far as you could see. And then this is here, and I went boom, done, sold. And, and when I first moved out here, I was 16, and I moved out here. For, you know, I moved from also like from the you know from the Midwest, very green and 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 lots of water, very riparian type of stuff. So I, I to me, driving up to the mountains was more cathartic than 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 anything because it was uh, it reminded me of what I just left. Right. Because I didn't exactly come out here by choice. No, you uh, didn't. But I did choose to stay because of, of those things. And that's what really, really made me kind of fall in love with that. It was, uh, it was really, really just an awesome time. Wallapai Mountain Park. Go check it out. It is, absolutely. So should we go ahead and take a break and uh, talk a little bit more and bring our guest in? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It's kind of, yeah, so we should do that. We're going to take a break. and we'll be back with more Cartoon Casual. And coming up next is going to be Tim Schritter from Black Ridge Brewery, brewmaster and owner. We are back now with uh, Tim Schritter of Black Bridge Brewery, who is the local brewer of Black Bridge. That's very accurate. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was trying to be... Hello, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome, Tim Schritter, to the Cartoon Casual Podcast. And we're enjoying a couple beers here, but um, we wanted to have Tim on the show because uh, very important pivotal downtown resurgence. Yes. Shall we say? 
And uh, as a friend of mine, we've uh, I've been in here only for a few years, and Joe's done a little bit longer. But want to talk about beer brewing, uh, your place, and how you got started, and have a little fun in between. But first, yes, what are we drinking? Oh, Paul, I am drinking a uh, Stone IPA out of the bottle. Solid, solid beer. And it and is. Tim, you have the same. Yes, but I'm drinking it out of a glass. Yeah. You said out of the bottle. I fucking did, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I dropped the F-bomb already, too. That pisses yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even... I haven't had a sip of this thing I'm yet, and it's out of the bottle. Paul, Paul Gaines is wasted, oh, ladies and gentlemen. He is hammered. Yes, I prefer um, out of the... He's slapping his the bottle. Around. For what it's worth, you should never drink an IPA out of a bottle. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I ever have. I'm pretty sure I haven't. It's a noob thing. Joe, what are you having? I have the Modus Hopperandi uh, from Ska Brewing. Now, didn't, and it's, didn't Mike bring that in? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's a mm, that's a delicious. Beer. Where's ska from? Colorado, Durango, Colorado. And it's good. We're good. I don't think good. I ever had. Did I have one of those if we were here before messing around? I, don't I think you did. I know you've had this beer before. Yeah, we, you and I have drank this beer before. Yeah, uh, at different beer drinking establishments, so to speak. Tim, when you uh, first started brewing, like how long was it after you started that you said I shall make an IPA? My third batch. Was yeah. an IPA, and my first what? two batches were English brown ales. I remember them vividly. Do you still make that same uh, recipe no. for Blackberry at all? No. Did you not like it, or just something you just haven't revisited? It's probably one of the top five beers I've ever made. Really? Yep. And you haven't done it again yet. Uh, Homebrewing. I used to uh, the first probably year and a half, two years. I made mainly browns and uh, porters to the English style with English yeast. Okay. As a home brewer, it's really easy to get whatever yeast you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you pitch it, one batch, whatever. On a large scale, what we're doing now, uh, we use one specific yeast for every beer we make. And uh, to bring in different yeast strains could really confuse things. So, like, if you had, like, a much bigger operation, that's when that would be more practical. Like, well, at that point, you're producing a lot of revenue, so you can play around more. Okay. I'm kind of in a middle area right now where I have to keep consistent with the uh, varieties that we offer. That's totally understandable. See, I had no idea. I had no idea of that fact. I had no idea using one strain of yeast, which means really nothing to me compared to does you or Joe, who's reasonably knowledgeable about this kind of stuff. I had no idea. It's an incredible powerhouse yeast, and you can. It's very versatile. It's available everywhere, kind of thing. I so suppose. To speak. I'm <laughs> I not, don't know. Not necessarily going to disclose what it is. I, oh, okay. All right, I understand. Trade secrets, Joe. I'm not going to say what it is either. Okay, no, I wasn't <laughs> because I like having the free flow of uh, of yeast and ingredients from Blackbridge Brewery. To Did you want me to eat, eat the mic a little bit more? Is that what yeah. you're pointing at? Okay, yep. I got you. Anyhow, uh, since you stole my fourth question already, <laughs> thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, I'm not going to do an Oprah thing and just read off of it. No, what sure. did you like doing when you were a kid that led you to? I'm not going to do that. Do I get a free car? Um, you might. Yes. There's a car out back yes. that doesn't run right now. It is, but that's going to be my Mad Max car. That's <laughs> okay. my. I, we didn't get a chance to discuss that, but that's kind of. I, I have this idea in my head. Okay. We'll talk about the Geo Metro convertible and what size wheels will actually fit underneath it, and the um, front and rear torsion bar suspension that can lift it, and all the good stuff that can be done with all that. Right. Anyway, I was going to ask Tim about you. You want to revisit this English brown ale though again at some time? That's you'd like to do that, I imagine. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, I mean, based on where you are now, I mean, I know this is a, just a shot in the dark. Do you, like a year from now, you think you might be doing some more of this? Just 
No. A wild guess? That's too soon? Yeah. Okay, cool. You, oh, I'm sorry, Joe. I was thinking, right? Paul, man, damn, you really want that English brown well, ale. Well, because he said it's his really favorite, the best he's ever made. And I'm like, now I'm interested. The, the brown ale and the porter, um, for whatever reason, I immediately, my beginning of brewing, gra- uh, you know, went that direction. And Jason Fuller, who was my mentor, um, he's broached almost every single style through the BJCP guidelines. And he's local, right? Jason yeah. Fuller, we all know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, he figured that uh, as me being a new brewer, it's it's easy to brew that style. There's minimal ingredients, minimal hopping. Okay. And it's got a lot of malt and bold flavors. Um, so it's easy to hide um you know, mishaps and imperfections. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So you, um, when was that your first, I mean, I know these are, these are basic questions. I know that sound dumb, but I, I, I'm I, a I don't basic really know. Bitch, so that works. He is, he's <laughs> actually wearing yoga pants on yeah. a pantsless podcast. It's I can't believe you wore the pants. I can't it believe kind of me. So <laughs> you, um, when, about when was that your first batch of beer? Just nine and a half years ago. Okay, it was a wheat beer, and um, extract. I, I'm going to assume mm. that you had your first uh, taste of a uh, craft brew somewhere before then, and then you, th- you said, "I want to try to." Do uh, this. The day that I was brewing that beer, and that was actually with my, uh, I guess you could call him ex-former in law, uh, father-in-law. <laughs> I still call my. I've been divorced 14 years. Yeah, we were I, never I, married, I still, but whatever. I still Joe call Baca. My, my in-laws. He uh, invited me down as kind of like a bonding thing. It was house downtown to brew a beer. I had no idea, but I like beer. I drink Keystone Light like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we heat some water in a kettle on its back porch, and we add extract syrups and some hops. And I brought a 12-pack of Keystone because ah. I'm brewing beer, and you know, you, I, I figured yeah. we'd want beer. Sure. And uh, he looked at me with such disgust. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, hey, look at that—the oh. running joke. Your cell phone. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I. Cell the rule off, is to turn your phones off, and I once again have failed. Jesus. At that, I apologize. No I'm sorry. On this podcast. We do have a guest. Zero professionalism. I know. Go ahead. So, he politely takes those keystones and puts them somewhere. I don't know. And uh, he gets a bottle of Stone Arrogant Bastard. Oh, okay. right. And he said, this is a beer that you need to try. All right. So he pours me a glass, and it was the worst shit I've ever had in my life. Fucking hated it. It was incredibly terrible. So we finished brewing. I mustered down the pint somehow. And uh, I went home, having now brewed my first beer. (laughs) It's really distracting. That was another text message, Paul. God. I'm sorry. I really, I really am. The three people listening to this, which are in this room, are going to be really distracted. Mm-hmm. No, oh, I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm never going to listen to this. Nope. <laughs> it's going right in the can. <laughs> so I go home, crack open a Keystone Light, and I'm drinking it. I'm thinking, man, this tastes like nothing. What am I doing? And I started to realize that I'm just peeing a lot. And I'm having to drink a shit ton to get drunk. All right, I'm going to admit that I was a little bit distracted from that stupid fucking noise. So hold on. It was the worst beer you tasted. And then, but then, and then it started to change my taste buds in that in, that day that day okay and i still drank keystone light but i didn't appreciate it or enjoy it because i had now realized that there's more and better things out there mm-hmm. 
so then I started getting into craft beer. I started going to the Quick Stop and just kind of looking at stuff. I think I started with some Guinnessy Cream Ale. I was going to say, I wonder, what did they I have love, back then? I, I know they got a huge selection now. But I was getting Kilt Lifter, things like that. Okay. You know, the transitional. And then, you know, getting into like Hoogarden, Wheat Beers, and uh, new um, Blue Moon, shit like that. Mm. I remember the first, I think Joe and I have already talked about this numerous times, but the first real craft beer I had was up in Boston. I think Joe kind of figured out which one it was because I told him about where it was. Uh, not too far from the USS Constitution. It, it's right. I mean, it's right there at the docks. Yeah. It's a, and I cannot for the life of me think. It's a, it's a very famous Northeastern. Yeah. But uh, I was ruined for life brewery. after that. I remember having it thinking, there's actually flavor yeah. in this beer. And it was a little bit tough. Your first drink or you know, your first sip or two was like, you're not used to it. You don't know what to expect. And, uh, but then after that, it was, it was uh, I still drank normal American stuff. I guess Mineral Light was a college roommate. He was big in a Mineral Light, so he had that all over the place. So I was still drinking that somewhat, but then no place in Atlanta had craft brew houses at that point when they started coming online. That was that was it for me. But um, so that's amazing that that day you decided. I mean, it was it was coming. It was it was just an instant thing. Yeah, for you, you hated it, then you fell in love with it. All on the same day, kind of. Not necessarily f- fell in love with that, but I now had an understanding that there's more to be had out there mm-hmm. flavor-wise. And I always liked good food, so it kind of came natural with uh, beverage. That is something that I've noticed before is that there anybody, almost anybody who loves food and loves good food will seek out something good to drink with it. It's rare that you hear somebody talk about, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I, I was... Uh, I made, I cured my own uh, bacon and I did this and did that. And then we had this, we made hollandaise and I did this great breakfast for their family. And then we all sat down and had a Coors Light. Like, you don't hear that. That's not Do you know what will blow my do. fucking mind, though? You go out to the winery, Stetson Winery, mm. and they have some pretty exceptional wines. I'm fond of them. And they also offer beers Coors Light, mm-hmm. Bud Light, Corona, hmm. Heineken, and Blue Moon. That. Okay. These wow. I did not Hoity-toity, <laughs> big, bold, red wine, Cabernet drinkers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Drink a Bud Light. What's the point? Have you ever talked to them about that? About Yeah, I've offered, like, let's, you know, put in a keg system. Let's sell my shit out here. And just not, no, not warming up to it for whatever reason? They're just... No, because really uh, craft beer is not well received by a lot of people in the wine industry. That I didn't know. It's I, cutting into their market share. Oh, oh, hardcore. It could be. Yeah, you're Big right. Big time. Breweries are on such an uprise and a growth that... Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, wine is, is an in, increasing exponentially as well. The uh, big players that are hurting is um, craft distilling. Mainly say, because the laws are very prohibitive and, and restrictive. So probably on that same vein, I would say that some bars, just regular bars, are probably hurting a little bit more because people are going to a brewery or a, a, a cellar door type place, for example. They choose there instead of going getting mixed drinks. Well, maybe. that's why you see a lot of bars picking up a lot of craft beer now. Okay. You know, they're changing out the half-barrel kegs for the six-barrel kegs and being able to increase their tap list by threefold. That makes total sense. Well, I'm so glad that you are here and I've been opened uh, up to all kinds of different beers and was totally unaware of and... And I'd like to also thank you for um, earlier getting a chance to brew a beer with you from winning this cornhole tournament. That oh, we had, that was, was so much fun. fun. It was it was a blast. And uh, and I still have all these questions remaining because uh, my head is full of all kinds of other junk about the business and about brewing beer. And 
how one gets started. And that, you were going to, I think I heard you, saw you. You see me, there, did you see me just You're check chomping. off the questions that I had written yeah. out that you already fucking asked? Him? Yeah, I'm a dick that, that way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> need to keep this thing stashed somewhere. Yeah, you went in the bathroom, I was looking over your notes. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I did I really, really want to know is at what what was the, 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 the moment where in your mind it just gelled and go, I want to do this for a living. I no longer I no longer want to do this as a hobby. I want to do this. I want to monetize my hobby, which you and I remember talking years and years and years ago about how are you sure you want to do that? And I've read many articles of people that like it's it's a double edged sword with with brewers and uh, you know they start off home brewing and they go oh, I want to open up a, a brewery hmm. and then sometimes they regret it and some, yeah. some sometimes people regret it and and I the 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 general consensus amongst the brewers that I've ever talked to or read articles that they've written, you know, firsthand accounts or interviews is that it changes from day to day and whether or not you regret monetizing your hobby or whether you have the greatest job ever. Uh, and it, and they, and they, that's the general consensus that it just kind of changes day to day. Do you remember the moment that you decided I'm going to do this and what's it been like since? It's actually kind of tearing me up a little bit. Uh, it was October of '09 when I finally knew that I had to, at some point, bring this to Kingman because I knew it could be financially uh, viable and a, a product that's in demand and that people would want to buy. It obviously was years after that before it actually happened. It was t 2013, but uh, that was the beginning of it. I had just got home from uh, uh, <laughs> It's all right, man. I get these moments all the time. Usually in the morning when the woman's gone. So to lighten the mood a little bit, I actually... <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Money's on the dresser. Uh, to lighten the mood just yeah. a tad. And we're going to go back to this. Oh, but, we're coming yeah. right back to yeah. this. Yeah, go ahead. I did watch five interviews that Barbara Walters did. <laughs> what the... F what Day the before yesterday to prepare for interviewing this guy. One of my best friends, one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. Was Barbara Walters? Um, no. Oh. T uh, Tim uh, uh, Schritter, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're what still not saving oh. your job. <laughs> I, I, yes. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, what? What? Speak. I, I, I did, Barbara Walters is known. She's notorious for interviewing people, national television, and within like five minutes cry, making them oh. cry. Oh, so that was I did not on. intend to do oh, that, okay. but to prepare for the interview process. Uh, but anyway, no. This is a good. This is a good moment because this, this is, is uh, this is good. Yeah, it's it's good. No, I'm saying the moment that that whatever it was, and we're going to back to this is that it, it changed. Truly, it has changed downtown Kingman. It it really has, and it really it's, boiling it's, it down. It started with Scott and Nancy Rhodes opening up the cellar door or the coffee shop and too, the coffee about shop the same time. Yeah. and Rednecks Barbecue now Floyd and Company news, and then I think what solidified downtown growth was Black Ridge Brewery. I remember going to the garage the first time and having an IPA because that's where I gravitate to and it tasted it, whatever it was. And then he was talking about opening up a place and then when he, whatever this, we're going to get back to this, when he decided, and I thought this is not going to be good for my health because <laughs> I'm going to yeah, be there's... going down there. Get this fantastic beer and I'm going to be experiencing it too much of a yeah. good thing. So that's my story with it when he decided. That's why I'm crying now. So <laughs> I'm. Let's go back to Tim. Yeah, 
October 2009. Uh, I had just left my buddy's house, and we were dismantling my truck of all my custom shit that was on it. And it's going to sound really superficial and stupid, but I had a... Megan, who I has my, my kids with me, rather, at the time referred to this truck as my mistress because I spent more time and money on this thing than I ever did her. And I regret that. <laughs> I was never really a good guy. But um, business had tanked. My landfill would tank. The economy was tanking. And the bank was coming to get my truck the next day. So I pulled off the rims and all the engine mods and every custom thing I could. And uh, I go home. And I'm just, I'm down. It sucks. Like, I've put in a lot of time, a lot of money into this truck. And it's fucking stupid. It's a goddamn truck. It's a Ford F-250. Slammed $25,000 of mods in the engine and the transmission. This was a drag truck that you could take five of your friends to the lake with pulling a boat. It was an amazing vehicle. Quarter mile time? Uh, best one was a 1342 at 102. That's 7150 weight. 1350 would just be a, a, 20, a 2015 Corvette is a 1350. Yeah. I love just, getting just up so, next to Corvettes and stoplights. Oh, I bet you, you have no did. idea. Anyway. And it weighs 11,000 pounds or uh, something ridiculous. 7150. 7150. Anyway. Close, Joe. Well, eh, the, the, the February prior, I was uh, approached by Diesel Power Magazine to do an interview. And uh, so I went to Speed World in Phoenix. They spent hours filming my truck, uh, taking pictures, interviewing me, doing burnouts, all kinds of fun stuff. Months go by. Article never come out, never come out. And I just had no more money to pay my payments. And fun fact, if you don't pay the bank, the bank gets their shit back. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so anyway, amazing how that works. So I, 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 I dismantled this yeah. truck. I put it back to factory stock best I can because I want to sell the parts and just try to, you know, make a little bit of money, pay some other bills. I go home, and on the couch is sitting the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. We're here. The... Uh, October 2009 Diesel Power magazine issue with a five-page feature article of my truck. Wow. And uh, that sucked. Like, I had this amazing magazine with this beautiful five-page article with all these pictures of my Snow White, and it was gone. Uh, That night, it was gone. And uh, a couple months later, bank foreclosed on the house, and I moved Megan and the kids and myself into my dad's. Like, I was... I don't know, 28 years old, whatever I was, 27. And at one point I was on top of the world and now I'm living with my fucking parents and my kids. That sucked. But through all that, I didn't lose my brew system or my ability to formulate grit recipes and marry yeast <clears throat> with sweet wort. And so I moved my little brew house up to my dad's detached garage and started brewing. I didn't have a job. I had nothing to do. And uh, so... We started just inviting people up for beers, and it came into this every weekend. People were expecting to come up to the garage and have beers, and it grew and grew and grew, and I built a walk-in, and I built a bigger brew system and just to supply more beer. I was going to say, how, how, what was that process? In other words, when did you say, well, I want to just do have more capacity? And it was in your mind at that point where you're kind of, was it morphing like Joe was saying, where you're kind of thinking that you may want to? So a good friend of mine, uh, he's a financial advisor for Edward Jones. He had a kegerator, and on tap he had one beer, and he would go down to Havasu and get a keg from Barley Brothers. Okay. Well, they had a change in ownership and whatnot, and he was no longer allowed to purchase kegs. And he knew that I brewed, and he would come up and have beer every once in a while, and he said, Hey, Timmy, can I get a keg from you? 
I really like that cream meal. And if you know, I, I if know, you know the guy, the guy he's talking about. He, he I, I kind of want to meet him now. Sounds just like that. <laughs> so anyway, I said, yeah, you know, I, I can make 15 gallons at a time instead of 10. And this is before we started, like, having the Friday or the weekend parties and the bands and stuff. Real quick, to get back to that, I have to add to this. It started off as Monday Night Football. Right. And, or, or NASCAR, depending right. on okay. what time of year. Sunday. And right. Sunday, and then it, it, it and then with Monday Night Football, well, well shit. People, well, that was people back before I lost the house. Right. Absolutely. That was, I remember that the first time I went to your house. I don't remember leaving that first time, but I remember getting there. <laughs> that garage was amazing. It was, I insulated I, garage door. It was climate controlled. I had a bar out there, beers on tap. It was like six refrigerators between fermentation control. Is this the place that you had your parties we're talking about now, or no, some other place? This that. is before the garage okay. days. Okay, okay, gotcha. Which is what we will here on out refer to is right before the brewery that is existing now. Yes. Where we were at beforehand is the garage days. Okay. Yeah. Before that was the house that was foreclosed on. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So we're up there at my dad's house. I'm brewing. Buddy comes up. He says, hey, I can't get kegs anymore. Can you sell me a kegs? I said, shit. Here you go. Here's cream ale. I think I was charging them 35 bucks. And that's what started this idea that there are people out there that want to buy this. Right. And they can't get it anywhere. So Not locally. You're damn I right. I built a little yeah. bit bigger system. And I um, made a walk-in container out of a 20-foot storage container, insulated it, and put a reefer unit on it. It was two rooms, one for fermentation control because I used plastic conicals, one for keg storage. Started buying kegs off of Craigslist and uh, just grew from there into this huge party weekend every weekend. We'd have bands play and taco trucks, and it, it was amazing. No, I remember the uh, Joe's, again, I'm repeating myself, but I would go to um, Boulder City Brewing, whatever it was, when I was building my facility here, and they had awful beer, in my opinion. I'm sure that's of whatever my opinion at this point but i remember when in my opinion their beer is awful that i think that's what you wanted to say yes it is right exactly what i wanted to say but i heard about i didn't know tim or anybody else at the time and i was talking to carmel and she goes hey there's this guy that has his place up uh, up the hill and he's you know giving out samples of beer and stuff and and he's uh micro brewing and he may be opening up a place downtown I went oh and i'm just thinking i mean my first thought was plastic five gallon bullshit buckets bucket that's what i was thinking and i was it's funny how the human mind is or my mind is to automatically go into this negative for what it's worth i made phenomenal beer in plastic buckets i'm I'm sure you did because of what you're doing now but when i got up there and i saw this which is now i've learned called a kegerator that we all know this massive thing and i don't know if it was the first time i was up there or the next weekend you had it whatever i was either 12 or 14 beers and again with the IPA, and that's when I thought, oh my God, this guy's—he's not dicking around. No, he's not dick. This is going to be wow. When's he going <laughs> to open? When is this going to happen? I can't believe it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, big town brew taste, quote unquote, in the little Kingman, is what I thought. And then we didn't know at that point you were still talking and thinking if you were going to do it or not, or at least that's what you're telling everybody. And uh, and so that was my experience. I needed to build a following and have absolute certainty that what I was doing was going to work. Mm-hmm. Three years later, I'm wishing I could go back to those days. <laughs> a little bit easier. I'm 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 uh, a lot more broke now, a lot more debt now, but uh, you know. Well, you're you're. I, bu- I'm out of the hole. You're you're building a business. I don't live in my dad's garage anymore. That's that's good, <laughs> but you're building a business, and 
adding assets the whole time and, and lines. We're going to have something here, a sample of uh, what you have, what you're doing lately, your latest project. Our very first bottle release beer. And I'm excited that you chose to do this here. Yeah, I'm really stoked about it. Yeah, Because um, I've, I've only had a small sip. Yeah. Should, should I answer the and question that we originally was, was asked of me? Yes, but yes, 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 yes. But to but yes. It, it was a two, Finish it. It was a one question with two answers. Is, yeah. it, is the, first, the first answer, short answer was I needed money and income. Yeah. So I wanted to sell beer that I knew I could make. I knew yeah. I had a great product and there's people that w- had great money that wanted to trade me. Yeah. So that was part one. Part two, I really wanted to bring something to Kingman that it needed. This is my home. I was born here. Um, family's been here since the 60s. I wanted to make Kingman better. And my letter to the city, my final comment was, I want to make Kingman a destination, not a gas station. Oh, man, that's brilliant. And that's how I got approval to put a brewery, which was technically out of zoning, in the C2 zoning that we're in right now. Phenomenal. That's a- The other part of that question was also... Um, how do you feel about it now, monetizing your hobby? I haven't worked since August of 2013 when we opened. That's kind of what I figured. That Except was the for answer on Sundays I when I cook. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Kitchen work. It, it, it's a similar thing with this. I remember, and I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steer away from this, but I remember when I was working on what I do now, and was fairly good at it. And then I think my father may mention, yeah, you could probably do this for a living. And, and that was a very enticing thought. It's like, wow, people could pay me to do this. And uh, it has kind of ruined the hobby. But at the same time, there are these moments, it's probably similar to, because Joe said, you know, is, are you ever happy to be, whatever you're doing, is there ever moments that you're on Where the low end or the high end? Right. And a lot of this, every business, there's a lot of crap that's involved that people just don't know about. They don't run their own place. But if they got into it for the love of it, there are moments I have out there when the door is open and the sun's kind of going down and I'm doing this little bit of work on something that it's just everything that's clicking. I know how to do it. I've done this for so long. And I, every single tool I have out there, I know I can make it do its thing. And the result is guaranteed. And, and I know it's going to be beautiful and fly well. And it's probably, I'm just guessing that could be, there are moments that kind of dials back where you're kind of in the zone and you're making a beer. You're coming up with a thing. And you probably, you probably aren't thinking about all the other little issues or problems that are associated with running a business. And it's kind of a zen thing. When that moment right happens, in moment. it's an incredible moment. Oh, yeah. When you can just be a brewer or yeah. when you can be a guy that uses airplane glue to glue planes back together <laughs> um, the right kind and of you don't have to worry here. about the taxes due or the, the bullshit oh, yeah. or the payroll or, or you know any of that you're yeah. just doing what you're incredibly skilled at doing yeah that's the zen of it. it it doesn't happen often enough i think it's like they say when you go golfing all it takes is one decent golf shot to bring you back the next time and that happens not very often for those of us that just go out there and smack the golf ball around but you well, you're one. doing it all wrong. It's it's oh. all about the drinking. Oh, if you happen no. to hit a ball towards a hole, that's a bonus, but it's not what oh. golfing is about. It's so. like fishing. It ain't about catching fish. It's about drinking and telling the tales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did Mom forget Greg. that. <laughs> I forget that part. I need to start drinking more. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. The answer. I think that's kind of the answer. <laughs> There's the answer right there. <laughs> Fuck. Well, should we crack open the... I think uh, I think we should uh, definitely take a break and come back and uh, 
open up the bottle of the, something special that Mr. Schritter brought. It, and he will name it for us. Absolutely. I don't even want to say what it is. You I'm can excited. pretend to. I could pretend. I don't know if I'm old enough to pretend. Probably not. What it is. So God, these jokes are horrible. So when we get that, back, we will... more cartoon casual. All right, we're back. More cartoon casual. We have Tim Schritter, brewer from uh, Black Ridge Brewery. We've got uh, owner, operator, brewer. Owner, operator, brewer, master. Not master. Brewer. God. We talked about this. He's Can not. I, I just said audience? master. I didn't say uh, brewmaster. No, but I want to hear about the. You gave the explanation. It was a good one. Uh, what does that explain? I, I, w- I was told by someone who I respect. I hold in very, very high regard in the in the brewing community that uh, calling yourself a brewmaster means you've it, you, you're you're saying that you mastered your craft and you can't get any better. You've learned everything that you can learn, and it's incredibly arrogant. And typically, folks that call themselves a brewmaster. Their beers are never that great. And back to Zen. That's that, what you, I was told. You should always have the the pupil point of view, or you should always. always be learning, no matter what you're doing and how good you are. And always, a little bit always. humility. And that's, and that's why Tim is a brewer. He gotcha. knows he hasn't perfected everything. He'll still learn something new. I uh, presumably once a week. Yeah. At least I'll never, you know, admit that publicly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, silence from Tim Schritter. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here. This is a kind of a momentous occasion, kind of, right? Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, we've got... Tim can explain what, what's, what, yeah, what Tim, the hell we've got. What what's do we got here? On? What are we going to drink? A beer. Just okay. a We're going to pry it out a little bit more. This beer is currently in what? It's our first bottle release that we've ever done as a brewery. It's the first time I've ever bottled a beer. It's you guys have been doing you bottled wind starting wind just a few days ago right through some difficulties in the label process we were not able to bottle in may as we had planned okay and the label states first bottle release may 2016 um we were a few days late okay doesn't affect anything the beer was ready to be bottled in may it was conditioned so it might as well have been bottled in may okay but it was in june in fact it's a uh, Scotch strong ale that we used to call Fat Bastard, but uh, through learning about trademark issues, there's a winery in Oregon that has a wine called Fat Bastard, and they uh-huh. are notorious for sending cease and desist letters. So we figured we'd just avoid that at all costs. Sure. We changed the name to uh, 1314, which was a pivotal year, uh, a war in the year 1314 of Scotland, I guess, uh, fighting for their independence from England. I think it was the Battle of Bannockburn, I believe. It was. Oh thank oh thank you. you like that I pulled that out of my butt. I'm not shocked, but I am thankful that we're friends and you can pull that <laughs> out of Battle of Bannockburn out of my arse. Oh, your arse. Now I want scotch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I, turns out through Google search we found that there is a 1314 Scotch Strong Ale swinging and I'm sure aged so. in barrels <laughs> by a brewery in Wyoming. So 1314 was out. So we I never liked anybody from Wyoming. So Mac. We, we yeah, come out with Mac uh, Nelson. old pretender. And uh, the old pretender was uh, Prince James Francis Edward. He was born the son of King James II. Um, there's the whole story in the bottle. Essentially, he claimed to be you know Scottish, Irish, and English. Just 
depending on the situation to help himself sure. out. He was then labeled as uh, the pretender or the old pretender. So am I required to read if I consume this beer? Read the label? Uh, it's encouraged not to read. Oh. Uh, especially the <laughs> ridiculous government warning that nobody ever reads. Oh, yeah, those are... I might be pregnant. Is it okay that I drink this? I cannot stop you from I would doing encourage that. it strongly yeah. in your case. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a Scotch Strong Ale. <laughs> ah, awesome. We use four malted Scottish barley. Uh, from Scotland. We use uh, English hops, uh, East Kent Goldings, which is very uh, classic two style. Hops weren't really grown in Scotland and they were extremely expensive to import. So the brewers there um, created a lot of beer styles that didn't utilize a, hot, uh, a lot of hops and, and bitterness. So uh, you won't even get the presence of hops in this beer whatsoever. Partly because it's got a low hop rate and it's very malt forward and partly because it's aged in rum barrels from the local rum distillery, Desert Diamond Distillery. So in the nose... Ooh, here, yeah, I forgot about that part. Mm, now yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, six months in uh, the rum barrels. Um, it has a big aroma of rum. You're going to think you're drinking a rum and Coke that's all rum. Okay. And by Coke, I mean Johnny Depp was here a minute ago. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Did he drop that Coke off? But then the yeah. flavor comes through and there's there's not a lot of rum in that yeah uh, it's big malt forward and there's also some sourness uh, you'll get some like dark cherry uh flavors and a little tartness in the back end so hanging around you guys i've learned that that you shouldn't have an ipa early on if you're chasing beer is that true mm. if your palate is not developed and you can't use your brain power to sift through different flavors i that, suppose that, that might, might be, true. be me but i'm gonna do my best i think you'd be okay okay and there's been enough time in between Drinking that last beer. That's true. And drinking this one. Now, this size, how many ounces is this? And it's, this is what we call a bomber? Yeah, bomber bottle. It's 22 ounce or 1.6 fluid ounce. Okay. As required by law to put on there. And I've noticed there's a different bottles of beer have, of course, green glass. This is kind of a darkish brown glass. Yeah, what, green, what green allows do? through certain uh, shades of the spectrum of light that can skunk your beer. That's why Stella Artois and uh, Heineken and their Becks all have that same kind of skunky it flavor. It kind of does actually it's smell because like, of the color. like skunk. Right. The color of light that is allowed through through a green bottle modifies the uh, hop compounds, the lupulin oils, into emitting this skunk, skunky type of uh, aroma. Why do you think they still do that? Uh, they've... It's it's kind of a, a trademark. Um, you expect that. It it's to a look it's at, a major flaw. You, yeah, but people like it. You see it in the store. It's green. They're used to seeing it, and there you go. Right. My good friend Myron, who owns a jewelry store, told me once that if shit sells, sell shit, and that's what Heineken does. Yeah, I can concur with that. I don't like the way it smells or tastes. Now, if you ever get a chance to have Heineken in a can or it's on tap, completely different. Really, it's a very, it's very. You good would beer. swear that you're drinking something else that's equally as shitty. It's. Oh, I don't, that's my next question. Is it? I don't find it. Shit. I think it's a great, uh, great fucking pilsner. Well, like Yeti says, like, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste bad. It just doesn't taste. Okay. Good old Yeti. I like so, we're talking on a podcast like everybody's going to know who Yeti is, but the people that know, they know. That's fine. So when you bottle a beer like this, is there a certain um, time you have to wait or a certain ideal thing once it's done doing its fermenting, it's in the bright tanks, and before you have to do... You skip a, a whole lot thing? of steps. Once it's I done know, fermenting... See, that's why Tim's here. Once, once, it, once <laughs> the beer is done fermenting in the ferment tank, then okay. we transfer it to the rum barrels. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this one. Where it ages and conditions for about six months. Um, then we pump the beer, or rather, 
uh, pressurized with CO2, the, the barrels, and a stem uh, is fed into the barrel, which then allows the beer to flow into the bright tank, where it then cold conditions and carbonates. For how long? Uh, three days. Okay. Um, at that point, we then hook up the bottle filling machine, and we fill these bottles one at a time. It took us three hours to label the bottles. We used the label machine at the distillery, um, 950 bottles, unloaded out of the truck, labeled by hand. Are you done with all those bottles right now? Are they filled, all of them? Half of them. Half of them, okay. We're finishing the other half tomorrow because our bright tank is only so big. We can only okay. fit half of um, the barrels in at a time. And then filling them by hand one at a time uh, took us two days for half the batch. We've got a good system worked out to where I believe tomorrow in about eight hours we can fill the other uh, 37 cases. The learning curve is pretty steep, I imagine. You can, yeah, you can get this stuff made. First time I've ever done this. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I feel I you know, almost don't really deserve to taste this, but I'm the, again, I'm the average guy, shall we say, that's going to be tasting this as opposed to... Paul, I would say that you're slightly above average. Well, but as far as this goes, I'm <laughs> just average. This, I'm so, so excited to try this beer. Uh, I had a small sip yesterday, Friday, on Friday, small sip. I want to really get a chance to savor it and just really enjoy it. All right, so we're ready. Uh, yeah, right? go ahead and open it up, man. Uh, this bottle came out of box number 19. Uh, we don't know how many bottles we're going to get out of the uh, 75 cases that were prepared to bottle. Right. So once we finish bottling everything, then we can count how many bottles we have and then go back through box by box, starting with box one. And there's a place on here where I will then write bottle one of... 950 oh, cool. bottle two of cases one through 10 will stay in the brewery uh, box one is actually mine and 13 is mine as well it's my lucky number love it um did you know there's 13 tables at the brewery <laughs> yeah I think I just, uh, timmy just texted me for some reason i'm not thank sure god why. yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway, could you, thank well, God. Before you actually open up, could you would you mind turning that middle switch on there, Joe? Or should I go up and do, I want to take a better photograph of this. I really want to get this on a digital image. Yeah. Of him, or should I walk over there and turn? Really? Okay. Waka waka. I'm walking. Fine. I'll walk. I keep forgetting you can't see most of my face because I was I, I was super confused as I to see what you most of your face. What most of the time? No, damn. <laughs> Paul Gaines, ladies and gentlemen, he'll be doing stand-up <laughs> in the street in front of Blackbridge Brewery during high traffic times. I hope. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, this is it. This is a uh, this is a big deal. Oh, Tim is uh, getting while he's texting somebody. Or he's, getting... he's he's showing us bikini pictures. That's, oh yeah. Uh, who do we got here? Oh, I like the dark, like the so black bikini. But that's not the black bikini. Did I say bikini? Bikini. Man, see, it's got me flustered. Can, can we not say any names on the no. podcast? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to have to edit this thing like anymore. Maybe uh, too. That was a kind of wait. Okay. Thanks for the. I wasn't really done with that picture, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, there here we goes. go. We're gonna open this. There it is. Oh yeah. Yeah, there it is. That's gonna be a sound bite that I'm gonna be keeping. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's gonna be cut out and saved. Oh, I can smell the rum. I got a whiff of it just okay, now. Now I'm, I'm going to turn the lights here. off for a little more ambiance. Yes, please. That word, Joe. Ambiance. Flip, flop, flip. Oh, yeah. Thanks, sir. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. 
Yeah, it smells like somebody uh, spilled a whole bunch of rum and cokes in here. Oh, oh man. It the smells like the Desert Diamond Distillery rum. Now, these yes, barrels were the um, Grand Reserve, minimum three and a half years of aging. Bottle uh, barrels, I believe, 25, 26, and 32. You have sipped this already before, though. You, you know what this is about. I'm very well in tune with this beer, yeah. yes. I can't remember my third son's birthday, but I can tell you everything about this. That's God a damn. Yeah. Oh, I'm man. sorry, but that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Joe, please. Oh, fun. Uh, express, use your words. <laughs> use words. Try to... Uh... Mm. Wow. I get uh, no, notes it's... vanilla coming out of this, too. That's probably from the from, oak. From the oak. These are French oak barrels. French oak and new and, and new oak, not uh, charred or mm. when they put toast. We, are they toasted barrels? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a very special beer. Oh, it is a very special beer. No, this, I'm, I this is so words. special. If beers were on buses, this would definitely be on a short bus. The shortest yeah. of buses. Short bus beer. Okay. <clears throat> it has a heat. There's a there's a there's a there's an alcohol heat from. I was going to say this would be good for a winter. I would drink this in the oh, winter. Oh, absolutely. And, also, and these yeah. bottles will age well, and that's why we put on there the um, month in which we bottled, so that you would know. Okay, well, this is four months old. This is six months old. This is eight months old. So I encourage everybody to buy a, a twelve pack for 180 bucks plus tax. Okay. And that way you can enjoy a couple now with friends, and then you can save them, and maybe every four months or three months crack one open and. Um, kind of see the progression that it takes as it ages in the bottle. I need to make sure I don't miss the opportunity to buy a 12-pack or up to 20, whatever it is, before they're gone this round. I know a number of people that would want to be doing this. I've pre-sold a good number of um, boxes already. Okay, we'll consider two more boxes. Uh, people really, and, and, and this is sight unseen. They've never tasted this. They have no idea. They're going solely based on my word that it is a quality product. I um, I'm kind of taken aback by this beer, Joe. What do you think? I get immediately like right on the very front end. I immediately get <clears throat> a lot of dark fruits, like Tim said before, black cherries, current black oh, currants. Yes. It, yep. it, like it just it reminds current. me of. It's Quran. Yeah, well, this is America, is, Tim. In case you hadn't a, noticed, is there a over the a Quran? No, little thing? Not. no. Oh, no, there's not. It's not even a French word either. Oh. <clears throat> Aileron is. Mm-hmm. Aileron is a French word. Aileron. It's, li- it's means French little wing. Little wing. Pretentious. Did means. you also know um, surrender is a French word? <laughs> there might be a little over the E-R on that one. <laughs> I think What's, Tim needs to be reminded of the fact that if uh, we didn't have um, the French on our side and they fight so hard, we wouldn't have a country. I've always liked that. That is tidbit. true, but they hated the and, English. You got to give uh, them that. Much oh yeah, well, the, and that's one of the, my favorite things about history is that uh, one of the funniest videos I ever saw on YouTube was uh, the uh, Scotland versus Ireland soccer match. We are so off base right now. Yeah, we're, we're going to no, bring it back. You're going to love this. They chant back and forth. We hate England. Yes, we do. We hate England. How about you? And then the other side, and you hear the Scottish accent. The whole, I mean, hundred thousand people saying it back and forth, and it's just one of the funniest things. We can always unite against hating the English for some reason. I got you. Anyway, and no, this is a Scottish beer. So the, um, I was going to say, have it, have it at, uh, in the winter time. Yes. I, mean, I, I can t- I can see sipping this. This would be a good bomber before you go to bed. Just tw- like the whole thing. 
I could offer another perspective. Please mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, cuddled up in your birthday suit next yeah. to a fireplace with a lovely lady and a bottle of this. How about if you were cartoon casual and you were Just, drinking this? You well, could also add to this um, a nice uh, scotch whiskey, not a blend, a single malt, like Laphroaig 10-year, uh, super smoky. It would really complement well with this beer to uh, have side by side. So this is not an inexpensive beer, but is it, a, it the price point you're having? Is it going to be okay to sell it? At the, you know what I mean? Is it going to be a good deal for you, or is it just like get it out there and get in people's hands and get them to love it? And um, it, I know it's, it's, kind it's of priced accordingly business. to what it is. The amount of time I've set on the real estate of the barrels taking up space. You know the cost of the grain. You know brought in from Scotland. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just you go down to the grain store and get this grain. It's special order stuff. Um, there's a lot of cost involved, a lot of time involved. A lot of, um, you know, the beer has to mature in the barrels. You know, it, it's a lot of work and dedication goes into this to make it this beautiful product. That how, it is. And, it, and it is. And how long can you keep it uh, properly? A beer like this will age for years. So you could just leave it, forget about it, as long as it's kind of cool. Yeah, I recommend 55 to 60 degree cellar okay. temperature. Uh, but by all means, if you don't have that availability, keep them in the fridge, keep them cold, out okay. of light. Even though they're in a dark brown bottle, it still lets some light through. And sure. light degrades beer, so does oxygen. We use um, oxygen absorbing caps from Greece. Wow. They have a special layer in there that it does two things. It helps to seal, obviously. And it, when you bottle, when you pull the stem out, that fills from the bottom up. Uh, a little bit of air wants to get in there and oxygen kills beer so what little bit is left in there that cap will absorb to help preserve the beer interesting i thought it might be economy absorbing caps from greece oh god get it get it yes that's a terrible joke i know but it's topical i get it it is it's topical like an ointment um so you definitely oiled up that joke. I, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I was gonna ask, and I was gonna crack the joke. So it's from Greece, the the musical, the country, or the lubricant. <laughs> but I thought I better be more mature and professional. But um, nope. Paul opened up that door. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, one of my favorite uh, little. I mean, it's there. It's slight. There's a hint of it. Is the sourness. And so yeah, one barrel much, of the three had gone sour slightly. Oh. Um, not in a bad way whatsoever. And so what we did is we blended all three barrels back together into one carbonation tank. So it's one part slight sour, and that's where that tartness comes from that you barely get. you got to look for it, but as you drink, it kind of builds on the palate. But then that kind of subsides, and you're left with this rich maltiness from the floor-malted Scottish barley. Another thing that I'd like to add that, add that, that I'm, just, I'm noticing, I don't know about you guys, but... The, that lactic acid produced in that sour, the souring kind of process, it makes your mouth create more saliva. Yes, it is. Even yeah. though this, it, it, it's a malty beer already, but that and have creating that more saliva allows for that finish to really come through, and that's when you get a lot of the the barrel characteristics. I think is what they call it. In the the yeah. if you want to be a pro about it, is the mm-hmm. like you said the vanilla. Which, interesting thing, I just read this uh, this morning. Uh, the vanilla flavor that we get from barrels is the reason why we interpret it as vanilla is because vanilla extract, most vanilla extracts, if it's not made from vanilla, it's made from wood alcohols. Mm-hmm. It's made from wood. And oh. that's why when we you know, take scotches or this beer or whatever, we, we get that. And I, that's a, 
oh, I just want to keep drinking. I was kind of wondering this that. Is so good. Now, is this going to be on tap or not? It's just bottled. That's all you're doing right now. I may have a keg. Let's just say that's a rumor. I don't know. Okay. Probably not. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's so <laughs> mysterious. It makes people want to go to Blackbridge Brewery and be like, can I get the, you know, you know the, first, the first batch yeah. we did of this, the barrel table you've seen at the brewery, yep. was this beer, a little bit less alcohol. And that was done two years ago. And um, I still have one keg from that batch. And hmm. certain people over time... Uh, specifically a guy from Scotland who was doing a javelina hunt of all things in Wikiup. No shit. Google Brewery came in, <laughs> got two growlers of 80 shilling. I went in the back and tapped the keg and brought him out a glass of the original at the time we called Fat Bastard, and he was thrown back by it. Oh, I don't know how you And the 80 be. shilling, which is our Scottish uh, export style. He said it was a taste of home in America, and the first time in America of all the beer he had drank that reminded him of home. It's fantastic complimentary. I mean, if you don't like flavor, it, don't try this beer. Yeah, right. That's exactly. what I'm suggesting. Right. If you're the type of person that eats white bread for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, although yeah. it will make a poop, this beer is not for you. <laughs> Let me make a note on that. Will so make a poop. The, the worst compliment you can ever have on one of your products is, well, it'll get you drunk. <laughs> That's, that's fun it, fact. This one will, but it's incredible. What is the ABV oh, on so it? Did good. you mention that? Eleven percent. Eleven. Okay. So Which it's a, it's a light beer. The the gentleman from Scotland <laughs> reminded me of something I did want to ask you, uh, and to get a little deep for a second, maybe not as deep as earlier, but so um, creative types are driven by you know uh, different things. Well, you have your famous chefs that some folks are like Mario Batali and they're they're driven by other people and the reason what they, why he creates is to um, see the look and the reaction on someone's face and, and also providing sustenance to somebody that's a very personal thing is when you you make some food and you give it to somebody you just prolonged their life until their next meal and there's a there's a very deep connotation there's very or deep context there um, but then there's other famous chefs, Anthony Bourdain is a perfect example that will say he doesn't cook food for other people. He does food for himself. And that's why he's the first one to throw out a, a dish that he made. Uh, you have Ben Bridwell from Band of Horses. He has said that he creates music to get something out of him that, that, that is something in him that he has to get out. Otherwise, he'll just he'll torment himself for the rest of his life. But Chris Cornell says he, he creates uh, he creates music to see the reaction on the fans, to connect with people. What drives you what fuels your creative fire uh ford f-150 drives me <laughs> i didn't know they had some schritter ladies and gentlemen confucius f-150 is autonomous Aristotle. right now or i didn't is know it? they draw you could summon it and it, it is when come. tim drives it is it what did i say that one time is powered by his own sense of self-satisfaction <laughs> uh no really i, I am honestly, a narcissist that's, that isn't that isn't <clears throat> that is a a genuine question i'm answer I'm, to i'm waiting I I I because ha I have no idea. I don't know what drives you when it comes to that. is it, is it the feedback that you get from other people and that oh, enjoyment? Oh, I love that. Um, you know, you can rate levels of emotion. Like when you get positive feedback, it feels great, it feels good, and you can get that ten times and it feels great and it feels good. And you get that one negative comment and it brings you to your fucking knees and it it's hurts times because 10. you put yeah. so much into what you do and one little bitch doesn't appreciate that and had to wait a few extra minutes for her stupid fucking food and ruins your entire week. That is where it hurts. And the drive behind me is making sure that comment, that review never happens. 
I want everybody that walks in my door to be a five-star happy. And that's damn impossible. And that's why it's always going to be a reach. You, you have to be striving because it's never going to – you can't please everybody. There are some you goals that you cannot reach. Yeah. And you know that going into it, and yet you still strive to make oh, that sure. goal happen. And that's why you create this. Right. Now, I'm, I'm guessing also you're probably your own worst critic, probably, oh, do you think? Um, yeah. Do, do you know if you've made a beer that's that's not doesn't come up to your expectations, do you – do you kind of know that when you taste it, you go, yeah, it's still good, good enough to sell, but it's not quite what I was hoping for? Does that happen much, or is it, or it's a little bit different than I expected? The flavor profile is not quite what I thought it was going to be? Or So I read a book once. <laughs> once. Once. I've, I've, I've read three books. <laughs> okay. The Great. third one was uh, the $10,000 startup brewery book for $10, and uh, it had some insightful information. Rule number one is if you won't drink it, don't sell it because it'll cost you more money to sell it than it will to dump it out. Okay. And that's absolute fact. And you've th- have you thrown beer out? Yes. Okay. Is it, is it, it probably just pisses you off more than anything. It's like because it was time, it was effort, it was space, opportunity lost because it was in your... I tried very hard stuff. to save the beer too. It was a year ago. I made a Belgian wit. I used a Belgian yeast but not a Belgian wit yeast. And it turned out to smell like raw hot dogs and gym socks. It was horrendous, and so like Blue Moon. (laughs) No, it was so much worse. (laughs) And so I said, I got to save this a lot of money in this beer. You know, I I ordered special unmalted white wheat that creates the nice white haze that's in a Belgian wit. Okay, and it it was just terrible. So I said, what if I added orange juice to each keg, and then filled up each keg with the beer? And I, just, I have like I just an, remembered this an beer. orange wit. <laughs> I'd forgotten all. So I went to Walmart. I bought every fucking gallon of orange juice they had, and uh, I filled up eighteen kegs with a gallon each, and then I transferred the wit into each of the kegs. People at Walmart thought he was trying to stave off the rickets. Mm-hmm. Clearly, <laughs> I was preventing from Zika that no one knew about at the time except for me. Um. Anyway, the rickets. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> So for the first day, it was actually pretty good. And then there was some reaction with the beer and the orange juice that just went to shit. It was so bad. And we had one customer, and he was just diehard. He loved it. He thought it was the best thing in the world. But he's the type of customer that would like anything I do. I ended up dumping the batch, all of it. And it cost me a lot of money. But it would have cost me more money and bad reviews and people saying the beer there is shit. Let's not go back there. So I actually saved money on the back end. So and I learned a fucking lesson. Uh, Stick to one yeast okay. and don't do stupid shit. Mm. However, so you, you, this orange juice that you bought and had a bad reaction, whatever it was, it happened. Is it also not if you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit and trying to save something? I suppose it's also possible to hit a home run and go, "Holy crap, that worked!" It, that is exactly, yeah. and I, I've seen that too. I've I've made. Uh, good mistakes that have been worth making twice many times you don't learn everything you know about what you do by reading a book these it's about mis- life experiences raspberry poison is a perfect example of that yeah that was that that was never a beer that was that i ran out was, of blackberry yeah and i got the phone call going hey remember how i said that you're gonna have uh, blackberry poison on tap today i don't have any blackberry 
Uh, like, okay, well, what are you gonna do? I don't know. You rattle. I remember. I remember you rattling off a list of, of flavorings that you had, and one of them was pumpkin spice. I'm like, do not make a fucking pumpkin spice, wicked poison. But then again, I I could see people drink the shit out of it. I'm sure. sure. We're gonna call it Bab Poison. It's coming out this October. Oh, that's great. Basic ass bitch poison. It's probably gonna sell. Oh, it I will. So it. The, the, the yoga, All the basic ass bitches will get it. Yeah. The yoga and Yukon crowd. Yeah. The yoga and Yukons would be the complete opposite in the spectrum of the, what is it, sandals and candles crowd. That, yeah, the sandals and candles. Sandals great. and candles. I absolutely love that term. I'd never heard it before until I met this man. I brought it from Atlanta. Yes, I, I don't thank know, I can't you. remember where I heard it thank from. Thank you. Yeah. So Other things imported from Atlanta would be outcast and racism. Yeah. And droughts that. and that. Good. Mosquitoes and gnats. Mosquitoes you and gotta gnats. you got to pull the race card. This is a nice podcast. It's Atlanta. Yeah, Joe. So yeah, it's racism doesn't exist outside of Atlanta? No. You're wrong. Have you ever been to Atlanta? <laughs> yes, many times. Not in the airport. Joe, some of my best I, friends. One of my best friends at the time lived in Conyers Covington, which oh, is here. I've been about there. 20 miles southeast on I-20. A lot of 20s in the mix here. We were in our 20s as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not witness to any racism. Was he white? The whole family is white. Oh, Oaks, that's why. Oaks family. Don't, no. <laughs> no, you, you drive down I, the country roads to, and everybody waves. You know, the black guys are out there picking cotton. They're waving to you. You're driving by in your F-150. I had a friend of mine, God black man, pick <laughs> Your white F-150? Was that a white F-150? <laughs> I had a friend of mine pick cotton for me. He was African-American, well, shall we say. What was that Jimmy's name? That, that, that Freddie was Freddy. his name. There why do we have to say African-American? Was he from Africa? Because I was, uh, I was joking about that. You know, he is black. Black America. is cool. Black is right. Freddie is from Ethiopia. Why can't we just call him American? Because I made it a point to make him go out the field and pick some damn cotton for Because him. it was really, really <laughs> funny. You were there. It was a Christmas gift. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember who got the Christmas gift as well. And they were completely, completely... Beflummoxed. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever I seen. I still have some life. of that cotton in my closet. Cotton in my closet. You yeah, know cotton what I mean? in my closet. Yeah. It's He's not, got some... Got some cotton in his closet. I'm, that's a new term for something that we're going to discuss off air. You I guys take off to, ramps really quicker than funny. I do it's, on well, the we, freeway. We should though, because we're, we're going to come back on. Oh, we pull out of driveways better. Anyway, Ooh. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead, cotton in my I don't closet. No, never. No, moving, moving okay. on. Let's get back to the beer. Uh, this beer is something that Tim started to touch on, and we didn't. Uh, I think we interrupted him, or we found another topic. Is that beer took up space? Yes. It took time, mm-hmm. and it's a huge gamble because that could have turned out to be terrible. Oh, it could have. Been. There's Absolutely. a huge, huge risk. Of so we don't have an optimal uh, temperature storage area for our oak barrels. It's inside of the tasting room, which averages about 74 degrees, which is on the high end. It's also uh, for beer. Huge. For for uh, distilled spirits, you want a temperature fluctuation of, of high and low because um, you get a permeation of alcohol into the wood a little bit deeper when it warms, and then when it cools, it condenses back into the uh, spirit so itself. It's kind of breathing in and out of the wood, sort of in a way. Yes, and it, it's okay. exchanging flavors and it's maturing, and, okay. and it's it, it, it's quality. Now with beer, we're not really wanting much of that expansion and contraction. We we want a stable, solid temperature, preferably in the mid to low sixties. We don't have that availability, so. It is a risk, but it is a risk that I believe will pay off. How many times have you done this with the barrels from from our local distillery or anywhere else? So I received one barrel from them in 2014, which would have been 25 months ago. 
and that was the first time I experimented with this. My inspiration for this Scotch Strong Ale aged in rum barrels, like, who the fuck comes up with that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tim's good at what he does, but he's not a maniacal genius right? all the time. That's what he wants people to think. I was at English's Pub in Vegas. Okay. And I'm looking at this menu. This is a way overpriced place. Super nice. And they have a Scotch Strong Ale aged in rum barrels from a brewery called Innes and Gun. And they bring in the barrels from the Caribbean. And I was intrigued by this. So I, I got a 12-ounce, and it's in a, a clear bottle. Which, ugh. Anyway, it was like $9 for this 12-ounce bottle. And it was incredible. It was, it was so incredible. I had two or three of them. I can't remember. A um, little light on the alcohol. I think it was only about 8.5%. But it got me inspired. Like, we have a rum distillery in Kingman. And I have a brewery. And I can make a scotch ale. And I'm sure the distillery would give me a barrel. And $300 later, they did. So, by the way, Desert Diamond Distillery here in the Industrial Park. That's right. Just down the street from... And, and have they been very helpful? They've been very oh, collaborative yes. with you? They're really into this, right? So, you know, uh, distillers' barrels are in high demand for breweries. Breweries want wine barrels, and they want distillers' barrels. Okay. And um, Desert Diamond is Arizona's original distillery. I forgot about that. It was the first I distillery in the state that. of Arizona. Yeah. Did I, you know that? I did not know that. Very That's, first distillery. Yeah, I remember distillery. that now. Yeah. Really? Like since Prohibition yeah. or just ever? <laughs> since Arizona first became legal. a state in 1948. First legal, first 1912. Yeah. It's right. 12? Yeah. They're, they're, 48? It was the 48th state. 48th state, correct. Right here. Stone's throw that's the first. That's the first uh, story. Wow. No legal. Shit. I did not. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, legal. I, I emphasize the term legal, legal because legal, the feds legal. say you can't distill alcohol. And I can allegedly tell you maybe that there's a man on the hill the that man, yeah, the old could man the actually hill. do it. Yeah, it's funny. They say that you can't, but you totally can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can. It's physically possible. I can. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, I can't. I just did. The, the government's mistaken <laughs> on that. You can definitely distill alcohol. It's, uh, they are, they're just not, they're just out of touch. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Typical government. I don't remember where I was going with this. You were going with this uh, to, uh, because we're talking about how many times you can do it and you work with High demands. Them. Yeah. So his barrels, every, you know, every brewery in the tri-state areas want these barrels, want these barrels. And I'm just another tick on his ass when it comes to this. I'm just another annoying brewer that he just wants to, you know, go away, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, one comes up for sale and he goes on his list and he calls the guy on top and he says, yeah, I want it. I'll be there. He never showed up. So he calls guy number two. I'm guy like number nine. Really? I showed up within an hour. And I got it. And since then, every time he's released a barrel, I've been first to respond and I, I show right up and get it. All these other breweries, and now they're like, oh, we're, why aren't you calling us? Why are, why are they getting the barrels? Because I fucking show up. So are you saying it. these other brewers kind of wanted this or knew about this or just happened to call in before you did, and they just happened to get in line pretty quickly? First? Yeah, he was in operation way before I was. Right. I didn't even know I wanted a rum barrel. Sure, okay. And then when you realize Until you two to years him, ago. now you're on the list number nine or something. But now I'm the only brewer that he calls. Why do you think? I'm just kind of. In fact, I'm getting two more at the end of this month. That's excellent. Why would you think these other brewers would just kind of? Eh, I don't know. I mean, they just didn't have the time to or will at that point to come up and pick it up, kind of thing. Or and I think in this think? day and age, everyone and their mother wants to open a brewery, and if you brew beer and you don't have the ambition to just go get a barrel such as these. I think it says a lot about who you are as a brewer. I mean, Absolutely. you should, you know, kind of rethink your choices in life. 
This is a prize. This is a gem. This is the first distillery in Arizona. And I'm really happy that I'm in the same community with John and Deborah and that I have these available to me because this product that is only possible through his barrels exists and it's incredible. I love it. Now they have, speaking of their distillery, it's like a tasting, but they only, there's some new license they got. Isn't that true? Or they they can, can now serve mixed drinks and whatnot. Okay. Can they serve your beer? No. Okay. Because the government hasn't figured out how to permit that yet to collect more revenue it's very to keep us safe from ourselves. It's complex it's and very complicated, complicated, Joe. Wow, I keep hearing that about the, the government. Yeah. It's just, you would, you would have no idea how complicated it is to approve such a thing. It's kind of like SpaceX, the complexity involved with launching missions to Mars. That's how complicated it was. So be. complicated, they kind of perfected it in like yeah, in the another 60s. off ramp. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm so glad we have Tim Schritter here, the savior, to uh, really just kind of bring no, us back. No, and what I'm uh, glad to hear about our local, or the first, I and mean, that's, think about, we're talking about Kingman again, too. It's part of the podcast is talking about Kingman and what we've got. That's a big thing. The first in the state distillery yeah is right here in the first brewer well wasn't one a handful of years ago that was involved with the elks club or someone didn't someone have a brewery here kind of that was a no oh (laughs) i i think leaping lizard not leaving lizard what the hell was it uh, called your mom's brewery aka uh kingman brewing company right and they own mad dogs okay they're my neighbors two doors down when i lived on club okay they have the name trademarked, so and they wanted to sell it to me for a undisclosed ridiculous amount of money. Okay, told them to pound sand. Right. I can find another local historical significant landmark to name my brewery after, which I did. Yep, and it's phenomenal. It's so I've been I there. Love to hear. And the yes, story. I, I do mean to toot my own horn on this. You should. But anyway, uh, they were in operation for about ten months. It was an extract small kit brewery. They didn't. Um, source raw ingredients they had pre-hopped malted extract syrups that they would add with hot water add yeast and then bottle and it was just absolutely terrible it was in the old elks lodge downtown okay so how long were they in quote business doing this from accounts from friends of mine who were of age at the time about 10 months okay well based on what you told me how it's made there's that's makes sense and, and for for anybody who maybe may you know the three or four people that listen to this podcast Mm-hmm. Ever, uh, extract brewing versus raw ingredient brewing is uh, the best analogy I ever heard is Betty Crocker cake mix versus making something from scratch. Yeah, the ex- extract breweries like from Micropub.com or uh, you know Pico style brewing, that is the. Um, you okay, Joe? Okay. <laughs> yep. It's the easy. Ready to change your underwear? It's nope. the it's the easy bake oven of the of the brewing world. Okay, and those. And I say the term loosely, brewers that have um, tanks like that, they're unitanks, the beer is fermented, it's chilled, it's carbonated, and it's served out of one vessel. Boulder City Brewery? Yes, they're a unitank uh, style brewery. Uh, Their best beers there are definitely their guest taps. I will say that publicly. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It it, it really is unfortunate. And I, I always try to make it a point to never shit on another brewery. But in certain cases, like with those guys or with Great Divide, I will. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to shit on a brewery either, but you have to define what a brewery is, Joe. Yeah. There's really not a lot of brewing involved in a set it and forget it kind of operation. Right. Ron Paul Peel invented this shit. Yeah. 
It's, it's in the midst of spraying new hair on a bald spot. I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss those commercials. Oh yeah, I really kind of do. I miss Billy Mays. The guy uh, could. Yeah. The guy could sell a dick to a dyke. I'm telling you. He. Oh, hello. Hey, hey, hey. I have oh. never heard that. <laughs> Catch a popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. Yeah. Dick to a But that's a not funny, Joe. The white glove. That's 40, 1940s. Not funny. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for you to be like, why has it got to be white? <laughs> but I anyway. remember back to when I was moving or traveling a lot here, building this facility, I would stop by Boulder City yeah. Every handful of weeks, because I remember the first time I tried it on IPA, I thought, oh, this something's wrong with this. Not right. can't, and I didn't know. I don't know near as much as I do now, which is still not anything compared to what you guys know. But I would go back and then fly back from Atlanta a month later and do whatever, and I would give it another shot. I gave it about six or seven or eight times, and I and then at that point I said, I, I can't do this anymore. The food's good. Yeah, it's not the bad. place is beautiful. They have it's a really a nice outside location. area. Um, they have a salt scrub in the bathroom for oh, washing your nice. hands. Joe and I just stopped by. We, we, we made it a point we, to You went up to Vegas, and I, I talked him into it. it, it did the Love Lady Brewing, and they did this and did that. And on the way back into town, I said, can we please stop here? Because I have not been allowed to go there. I went up there for was it, uh, uh, Boulder City Beer Fest last year, 2015. And... Nobody wanted to go there because the beers were terrible. And I said, I want to form my own opinion. I'm not going to just going to go with the crowd on this and uh, couldn't convince anybody to go there. So Paul and I stopped a couple, three months ago or whatever. And yeah. uh, I was taught early on by uh, my mentor when it comes to brewing and beer is Tim. Uh, if you really, really want to gauge the quality of a, a, the, the brewery, you will try if they have a Pilsner to do that because there's nowhere to hide. You can't just add a bunch of, there's not a lot of hops to it. There's not a lot of, there's a anything. grain character. There's not a lot of anything to it. If, if a brewery makes a Pilsner and there's no, and it's flawless, the rest of their beers are probably going to be stellar. Absolutely. Um, because it's so hard to do, to make a good Pilsner. So I it's ordered like a, the Pilsner. It, that was the first Precision year. in the process. You can be just very careful how you do yeah, things. Yeah, because you can hide a lot of things with hops or with malt. And, okay. and, 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 and kind of like Tim had mentioned earlier in that first segment that there's, like, a, what is it, uh, uh, Jason Fuller told you, you know, you, or you uh, made porters and uh, and brown uh, brown ales. Yeah, porters and brown ales. If you're going to start brewing, hide. start off with a flavorful, malty, big beer. You, you develop your sea legs, if you will. Get the process down, you know, have an understanding of how to maintain cleanliness and sanitiza- sanitation, rather. And then you can start venturing into the lighter yellow fizzy beers. And if you can then make those quality then you can make any beer quality. So it's long kind of, as you maintain quality practice. It's kind of like flight training. You want to start with a simpler aircraft first and build your way up normally. Absolutely. Kind of Same kind of thing. Kind of, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, a darker beer is more complex, actually. I gotcha. And then you want to master how to brew in the process and, and, and whatnot and, and get an idea of what you're doing, temperatures, times, things like that. Okay. And then start, um, you know, trying to master the easier... Um, Less complex beers, rather. Okay. They're they're not easier. They're more difficult, but they're less complex. I got you. I understand what you're saying. The less flavor something has, the more difficult it is to create that. Because you can't mask it. That's right. Like the French do with all their sauces on their food. When the meat's rotten, you just toss a bunch just of fucking put a bunch flavor. of sauce on it. Oh, I get it. Thousands of French people just kind of screamed out. I sauce. love French food, but Sock that's what, how it all started. It, it really kind of is. Rotten it's, food, it's, they want to bury it in sauces. It's it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, but back you, to Boulder Dam Brewing, Boulder. I ordered their uh, the first beer when we sat down there. The first beer I ordered was the uh, was the Pilsner, and uh, brought it back, and I could taste. It tasted like a if I bought a Mr. Beer beer kit. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's what it tasted like. It had and just poor fermentation control and whatnot. Yes, Paul. Oh, is there actually a thing called a Mr. Beer beer kit? Yes. Okay, I thought you being that's funny. That's why I hung no, my head funny. in shame when Joe said that. That's okay. why he made that that sound. <clears throat> Can I, oh, oh God! So, I was given a Mr. Beer beer kit when I turned uh, to, for my twenty first birthday. I made the beer. It tasted a good combination of um, apple and acetone and plastic. And, yeah, it was pretty bad. <sighs> and I that turned me off from home brewing from 21 until 28. I swear to you, AB and Bev owns the patent on Mr. Beer Beer Kits. They want people to buy this shit so they never ever drink craft beer again. That's how terrible. That's you know, we should do it at the brewery. Right. Let's do it at the brewery. Let's do this. Let's order a Mr. Beer Beer Kit and with all of our expertise, let's follow the instructions letter by letter and produce what they claim we can make. And if we can do it, then maybe I'll have a different opinion. That's a great However, idea. However, my this. hypothesis, I submit that it will be shit. But you don't mind risking that, like, say you do it, and it actually is okay? That's okay with you? It's like, all right. Well, this is why the scientific method exists. I, know, I understand. We're not, you know, proving anything. We're just showing evidence We're to support or not support our you okay. know, theory. I'm currently Googling Mr. Beer because I kind of want to know about them about that I want to know what the next drink is that I'm going to have tonight uh, well there is more but that's we're done with that bomber is that bomber gone yeah it's bomber bombs away oh there you go oh there it is oh Tim Tim squeezed a little more fuck that's a good beer it is are we happy with this oh I got another question I would say so this is box 19 this has not been released yet this is um, the third bottle that I've opened so you guys are not number one that's fine um, my father not, always told not, me anyway. Not number yeah, two. Sorry, either. you're not number one. Don't. My father also told me. He's like, yeah, you're about number three. And he only has one kid. So. Yeah. This is uh, bottle three out of box 19. Um, why 19? I don't fucking know. But it wasn't box one through 10 or 13. It, isn't it true that the, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, the first uh, barrel thing you guys did, at some point, wasn't that the thing that was kind of dedicated to, to Pat, one of your customers there that was? That's the that third beer that's in that barrel. The first barrel okay. that we got from the distillery was originally the Scotch Strong Ale, which is what this now has become with the subsequent barrels. After um, the original Scotch Strong Ale was pulled out of that barrel, we then filled the barrel back up with a barley wine called Catastrophic Humiliation. Um, aged for five and a half months and then kegged, and we call it Oak Humiliation because it was aged in oak. Okay. Uh, and then we filled it up with a English Old Ale, and at the time, we had a regular who was one of our customer of the month, and he had the custom engraved growler. And he was there every day. He was a dedicated, loyal guy, and he wasn't a shithead. He wasn't an energy sucker. He was just cool to have. He sat at bar stool number one, mind his own business. He was a bar guy. He wasn't sure. there to chit chat too much, but if he had something to say, he listened. He's retired, right? I think, if you recall, he was retired. No, he was. Uh, he he retired yeah, that's into right. it, but when we first opened, he was not. He still worked for um, Edison. SoCal Ed, okay. Edison. So uh, he ended up dying of uh, cirrhosis, liver. I think it had something to do with the seven or so glasses of wicked poison he consumed every day, plus the growler he would take home. He liked it. 
He yes. likes Wicked Poison. Um, he died January 3rd, 2014, and January 7th was his funeral. January 7th is when I filled that barrel with an old ale, and I had no direction. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just wanting to make an old ale and let it age. Well, I ended up filling that barrel on the day of his funeral, and I named the barrel or the beer uh, Old Richard. Pat was his name, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard was his first name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Richard Pat Whalen. And so uh, it, it's kind of uh, paying homage to him. The, the fucking beer ended up turning sour, and I think that's just him kind of fucking with us <laughs> in the afterlife. Because he was kind of, he, he could come off like a real, real hard ass, hard ass, just, oh my God. Leathery knuckled son how, of a bitch. How long did he it? Was super super nice guy. Oh yeah, like very. Good how long guy. did it age for? It's still aging. It's been a year and a half. January of 2014, that barrel was filled, and it's still filled. So it's not going to unsour. No, but it will continue to develop, and um, it has actually gotten quite good. I'm going to give it another six months, and in okay. January of 17, I'll pull the nail and sample it again. And at that point in time, we may decide to bottle it or just keg it. I'm not sure yet. What can what can cause a beer to sour? What, what are the well? There's wild yeast strain everywhere. There's yeast okay. in my beer. There's yeast in your nose. There's yeast floating sure. around the air. They're, they're microscopic. You can't see them. Right. And with opening the bung on top of the the barrel and pumping out the beer that was in there, you're exposing air into the environment inside the barrel. And when you go to fill it up again, you're exposing that beer to that then new set environment. Um, the surrounding yeast and, and whatnot that's in the air. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's also bacteria that cause infections. And we got um, a bit of a infection. I don't know if you call it Saccharomyces or Brett. Yeah, it's more of a Brett infection, Brettanomyces. Yeah, Brettanomyces. Which puts out a lot of, you know, nail polish remover acetone aromas, which over time will, you know, really just start to go away. Okay. But it takes time. Some sours are done quick. Some sours take six months. Some sours are a year and a half, and they're still not ready. And there's a little bit of microbiology behind that that I, I actually, for some strange reason, happen to know, mostly from making sauerkraut and kombucha at home. Your Britannomyces and Saccharomyces will get, give off uh, the acetone-type compounds, nail polish remover, stuff like that, and then those subside, and the lactic acid that they also produce will come forward, which is what you kind of want in a sour beer. If you just die if you just dose it with lactobacillus or you you got lucky and it was lactobacillus bacteria they only give off lactic acid right which is i don't know to me it's kind of cheating because the original sours were i mean the 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 i don't know the belgians or the wild the, the, farmhouse the original, style original gangsters of that opened up the rafters or opened up the windows you know um the yeast that would be flowing across the fields and the flowers would draft into the farmhouse where the open vats of unfermented beer would be sitting. And no, that, I, would, that would create the fermentation, spontaneous fermentation. And that's how uh, the Belgian, a lot of the Belgian styles came to be. And a lot of it's very, very good. But a lot of the Germans give the Belgians hell for the, this. The Germans right? always talk about the Belgians letting the, the horse drink out of the beer before it's done. And that's how they get sour beers because they let their. Well, the Germans out of have their becks, and they can kiss my their ass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I had some good German beer when I was there. I won't Sprechen Sie Deutsch and sucking my dick. I, I don't do the oh. second part. I do, I do a little bit first War part. World War II. <laughs> so, I, I what do you think, Joe? You think we've uh, killed this topic for now? What do you think? Uh, to a certain degree. Yeah, we can keep going. I think we could definitely keep going. Yeah. 
I'm with you on that. Although I think it's time to maybe take a little little breather. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. I agree. We'll be back a little more. We'll be back to butter your bread. Tim, <laughs> Tim Schrader, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back. back now with Cartoon Casual talking with Tim Schritter of Blackbridge Brewery and one thing we didn't talk about was kind of the history what is Blackbridge for example yeah where does that name come from a bridge that is black why does it got to be black yeah that's is it not seriously black is well it? that's uh, you know it was painted that way pre 1960s so okay, I think so it was acceptable okay. back then yeah is that why they made the Black Bridge have to be outside of town? Right. <laughs> Thanks, Kingman. Yeah, it's on the back of town. It's on the back side of town. It's on the back going the, home side of the town. Going home side of the road, yeah. It's a railroad bridge uh, south of Kingman, and um, it's a bit hard to get to if you don't you know, know the area. The significance or the reason why we named the brewery after the Black Bridge is that was a party spot in high school. That's where we'd go party. You drive underneath the Black Bridge, the railroad bridge, and once you're on the other side of it, you're shielded from view from the highway. You could have bonfires, you could have vehicles over there, you know, drink your beer, smoke your pot, whatever you wanted to do. And this wasn't something that I invented or even something that was, you know, invented by my class, which I didn't graduate happily. Um, this has been going on for decades. Okay. Uh, you talk to Kingmanites that have been here their whole life. I think Gary Rucker mentioned it at your Gary Rucker did yeah. mention yeah, it. Yeah, Gary and, Rucker. Gary know. Dykeman, who was an English teacher at the high school. Okay. When it was Mojave Union High School, they would go to Blackbridge to party in, in their high school days. Okay. So this has been a, uh, a tradition for Kingman High School students for decades as a place to go party. And, you know, the cops know about it, I'm sure. Oh. I'm but with anything, sure. there's inherent risk involved and kids are going to party. Right. Whether it's the Cattle Ponds, Lookout Point, Top of the World. Gravel Black pit. Bridge, gravel pit. Black Bridge was always a common place. Okay. And uh, upon coming up with a name for the brewery, you know, you'd come up with something just amazing and then Google it, taken. You'd come up with something else, taken. This was what I came up with and it wasn't taken and uh, we secured the name and it has a nice local historical reference. It signifies a party spot, which we've now continued and uh, it's a legitimate business, and people that are used to going to Blackbridge, they see the name Blackbridge Brewery, and they immediately like think, I wonder, is it because of the Blackbridge that I used to go party at and make bad decisions? And then they ask the bartender or, or me or whoever's there, and you know we tell the story, and they just have this aha moment, and they love it, and they they feel like it's a part of them, you know, part of their history of, of Kingman. On your um, website or Facebook page, does it kind of talk about the Black Bridge at all, and what it? Is yeah, it it's in the bio on Facebook, on the website, even on Yelp, everything. If there were people that came from out of town, it might be kind of cool. They might be kind of curious to have some time to actually go visit the Black Bridge. They they do. They okay. and I have people, basically every week, ask me about it. And they, do you think they go uh, visit it? Do I don't know that they go visit it. I know we've taken people there, like Terry. Okay. Yeah, Terry no. Deese, yeah, he okay. was a traveling nurse, and uh, he asked the question where the name came from. He wasn't from around here. He had no idea, so I told him, and he went down there on his own accord and took a picture of the bridge mm -hmm. and had it framed. It's now hanging in the brewery, 
It says the original Black Bridge where the party started. I added that on there, but um, he really loved the story behind it. Uh, he's a traveling nurse, as you may or may not know. And uh, before his next assignment, which was somewhere north of here and maybe towards he the left coast. Oregon. He went up to Oregon. He was yeah, in uh, the, um, uh, Klamath Falls. Yep. Right. That's it. So he said, man, I, before I go, I'd like to go party with you at Black Bridge. He's from, like, <laughs> Kentucky or Bama or something. Mississippi. Whatever. Mi- Mississippi. Hotty toddy. It's all the same when we <laughs> get back there. It anyway, really is the same. So uh, we loaded up the F-150 with pallets, and we got a couple 30-packs and some Copenhagen, and we went and had ourselves a bonfire. And I had Copenhagen a long time. Oh, I even – oh, I, all I did was smell it, and I was, oh, God, this is – I could never ride a I horse. I kind of want some Copenhagen right now. <laughs> And tequila. Well, next time I'll have tequila in Copenhagen here because we're going to have you back uh, oh. for sure. Right, so we went and partied. We, we had a bonfire. We burned shit. We Did we fire off any guns? I don't remember. Uh, I think you did. Maybe. I don't think anybody else I know had I had my, my gun with me because I was there too, I believe. I yeah. Recall. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the night we were trying to hook people up with other people. Oh, I'm glad yeah. my gun wasn't mad at anybody and therefore chose not to shoot anybody. Yeah, you don't. That's bad to have an angry gun. Yeah, it right. really is. I, I, oh, a lot of guns need therapy. that road. Anyway, um, no, I was going to ask also this bridge. It's a big steel, if I recall. Do you happen to know? I know you know this is a loaded question, but do you know when that bridge came into existence? There, it predates Kingman uh, by a long shot. It does. Okay, it's that old. Yeah, eighteen sixties, nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Railroad came through here in the nineteen like eighteen eighty five. Somethings. The current railroad on the course that it is that we know today. Well, there's two tracks, right? I thought new. that was the old track because the new track is the one that cut off Route 66. They had to reroute it where it's routed now, I think, because you have the two, you have your two tracks, and I think the old track is Blackbridge, and the new track is the one that's on the other side of, of old the old 66 out there by the Sandrags. So I, that was it was a story that an old timer told me a long that time ago. That is the newer I, track, and that's what separated. Um, Indian Camp, which is Slaughterhouse Canyon, right. from access to downtown. Gotcha. Yes. So that's the newer track or the older track is Blackbridge? The, the newer track is Blackbridge. That's the newer track. Yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, Thank God we I got w- that straight. Yeah, no, well, I always kind of wonder, too, yeah. I, but I love knowing the history. No, I'd like to know the accuracy, uh, too, as well. It's... Uh, it was a great place to party. Speaking of partying, I always thought, I because it. when I first moved here, I drove out to... Uh, a red lake and thought, well, that's kind of far out of town, but it's you can drive out there in the dry lake. I mean, was that a popular place for kids to go either? Also? Yeah, we'd go out there and party. We'd actually camp out there and party. Okay. Absolutely. That's such a cool thing. I have so many friends from back east. That red Lake never... Brewing. Ooh. Red Lake Brewing. Sh- I, I guarantee you that one's taken. That just, sound, that just sounds right. So here's a fun story about Blackbridge We're Brewery. We're going to have to edit this out because we may have to reserve this. You guys may have to. So, yeah. So shortly after we opened, not shortly, but about a year later, I find a... Blackbridge Brewery that opened in Canada. A, I remember that. What's that, a boot? <laughs> a boot. <clears throat> so <laughs> through talking to them and, and getting their story, uh, they named their brewery after a Blackbridge, obviously, like we did. That was also south of their town, like ours. And it was also where um, kids have been partying for decades. Wow. To make it even more eerie, in 2011, there was a homicide, a murder at our Black Bridge. In 2011, there was a murder at their Black Bridge as well. Wow. Now, there's not a railroad bridge. It's a car bridge. But the same principles apply. It's a, it's a bridge that's black that south is... of the community where kids would go to party. 
and in the same year, there was a homicide at both. Holy crap. Didn't a representative or a father of some came down? And yeah, the father of the owner. Uh, he came down, and I won't say that he brought illegal spiritus liquor onto our licensed premises, I don't think but he I did. was yeah. able to obtain some Blackbridge canned beer from Canada yeah. that I possess at my house legally. Is it good? Yes. What are they? I mean, they I've got a rye pale, um, a centennial IPA, a milk stout, and a uh, suedo lager, whatever. They don't do any lagers. It's all ale. Are they also a tasting or whatever, or is they just they just bottle and can? I don't really it? understand the Canadian laws. I don't know what they're about. Okay. Well, uh, I, I can tell you a little bit about the Canadian laws. Because I, I talked to somebody about that recently, actually. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know all about Please it. Please share. But, uh, they're incredibly lax, and it's super easy to open up a brewery in Canada. You don't have a provincial. You don't, you have very few provincial uh, laws, like we have. You know, Arizona state laws. Your provincial laws kind of just filter out the riffraff for distilleries and and, and and breweries, and you have a producers. Yeah, you, you have you have a specific government entity that handles producers, so distillers and and brewers. And then you have a, a, an entity that handles serving. And they handle you know bars and, and, and restaurants and things like that. So things get done a lot faster and a lot more on a much more efficient level. Here's the issue, cool. though, in Canada. And the producer of beer, up until a point, they can only serve so much of their own product. Right. And it has to be sold um, to go or wholesale to retail accounts. Which is kind of a bitch, but you have... That's why you're not going to see a lot of nano breweries in Canada. You got to have big money, big operation, do lots of volume to sell wholesale. Right. They don't, they're not allowed as a producer to sell a lot of retail, like the distillers in Arizona. So we don't really know if we could go up there and belly up to a bar and have a beer. I'm pretty point. sure if I walked into Blackbridge Brewery Canada, we would be able to have whatever we want. But you're an exception, maybe. maybe. You have an airplane. Yeah, we could do that. I would I would like to take my Black Ridge Brewery glass from Kingman and go up there and ask them to see if they fill up a twenty ounce glass. I wonder if I would have to explain to them how much twenty ounces is because it's it's Canada and they use a metric, the metric system. system. Yeah. Is that like a liter? Yeah. <laughs> like a liter of cola? Like a liter it's a, a liter of cola. Can I have a liter of beer, please. What is twenty ounces? It's an imperial pint, but how many liters would that be? How many liters? I'm done. I'm not I think you are more today. We've had one of our third beer. I've finished my third beer, so I'm officially stupid. What would you say, anyway. Tim, the hardest? Uh, I just, I, there were a couple of questions I wanted to, I had written down here. One of them was just on the day-to-day uh, nuts and bolts uh of your business, what is the most challenging thing? If you could just, you know, say, God, that part sucks of the business. Is it, I mean, is it regulation? Is it just the amount of time you spend brewing that was just, is taxing to yourself or, or, or what is it? The time I spend brewing is the vacation. That's okay. what I enjoy doing. Okay. It's, seems like every time I think I'm about to start getting ahead, I get another new taxing agency that's oh now you know legislator voted we we got 18 cents a gallon now out of you well we can't have you succeed 
Well, if, if they even <laughs> think you're succeeding, they want money out of you. Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I have seven different agencies that I write tax checks to either every month or summer every quarter. Oh, it's like the scene in office space. You're like, listen here, Bob. I have six different bosses. Every time I make a mistake, I hear about it six different times because they don't communicate with each other. Yep. I, I, I didn't know it was seven different uh, entities. That's ridiculous. It's a hard pill to swallow, and that's the most difficult part about being a business owner in a free America. And I yes. have quotation fingers. Well, if we keep telling ourselves it's free, then it's, uh, you know, we'll believe it. It's free. It just costs a lot of money. Yeah. That's all. That's exactly what it is. And if you could change one thing about all of that, would it be reduce the, the taxes you pay out? So the Gary Johnson in me is going to come out now. Can't all wait. Right. Let's hear it. Get rid of the entire taxing structure. Let people keep what they earn. And they will have more money to spend. The economy will blow up exponentially. So like a... Uh, a oh, well, we need government. And government's got to be funded. Well, how do we fund government? We tax people. Do we really need that much government? Do people no. really need Danny State above us telling us how to do things, what to do things, you know, charging us fees to do things? And then if we do something good, we get charged more? No, Do we really need all this oversight and all this regulation? Pete, Here's what it comes down to is if, if someone can produce something and offer a good or a service, they will sell that. And if people continue to want that, they will continue to buy that. Now, if what they have to offer makes someone sick or if it's a shitty service or a shitty good, they will not be able to sell it and they'll go out of business. And that's how the free market should work. We have the government trying to make sure everybody is safe and everybody is, is kept out of harm's way. And they don't do that. They harm everybody by taxing into oblivion everybody and regulating every business out of out of possibility. If I could if I go if I were king, I would I would definitely eliminate some forms of the government regulation for sure. There's some I would still keep. I'm not an anti government guy. I understand yeah. that there's a place for government. So sure. long as it's continued to represent the voice of the people. However, the government is so large in scope that it, it, it is, it's, it's not conducive to the entrepreneurial spirit that we need in this country. No, it's not. And it would be, um, and we know it keeps growing slowly. You know, it, it's not a cute, but it's growing slowly. And what I think should happen is just they should just stop the growth of government. Who's they? While. Well, the people somehow need to demand it through, well, what do you do? What is the ultimate answer? You know, is it voting? Is it pitch pork? The people aren't going to vote to, you know, stop the services that they receive. No, they're not. It's a problem. It's a problem. All government is kind of local. We've got an election coming up here, and, and that's the most you can do to affect and maybe help your business out, too. It wouldn't affect mine at all, really, but uh, yours would be – it might be a better thing to have a new city council. Oh, I agree. Majority. You know, that would be – it's so hard. Washington's like this huge ship without a kind of a rudder, but it's kind of going in one direction. God Almighty, it almost doesn't matter who we elect for president, for example. It's just there's all so many facets of D.C. that is is not changeable overnight. It does se. matter. If Gary Johnson got in there, I think you'd see good things. He's happen. got my vote at the moment. I can, you know, I gang steam. You know, he is, and it's it's fun to watch and. He's getting some more press. It's it really is interesting to see him. I mean, do you want a guy with a fake tan and a toupee? 
Do you want to? Were you talking about Hillary just now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the joke in the 90s was uh, President Clinton and her husband, Bill. It's like, uh, you ever <laughs> notice that Bill Clinton doesn't speak when Hillary Clinton takes a drink of water? Uh, that's, that's an old Jay Leno joke. But it's still, it's still kind of worse. It, it really is sad when our choices are what they are. It doesn't matter if you're, in my opinion, if you're Republican or Democrat. It's just no, not. you have it, a choice. It, yeah, His it, name's Gary. It yeah. is. It is true. And he's... And I'm so glad he chose Bill Weld. I remember him when I was yes. a little bit younger. That's a good. It's a good selection. Solid. Yeah, really is solid. And uh, I will enjoy punching the ticket for him. If you guys want to listen to a really, really entertaining podcast, is Gary Johnson on Joe Rogan? Mm-hmm. I've heard. Uh, did you listen to the whole thing? Or no, did you I just heard, it, had a synopsis online. Man, you really got to listen to it because Gary Johnson's a good. He. Well, I'm gonna <clears throat> feed the feed the Schritter ego here for a second. Listening to him speak sounds like you. It really does. Like it, well, it, I listen just, to him, it, you know, quite a bit. He's he's a very very well spoken guy with a lot of revolutionary ideas that are really not that revolutionary. There would be revolutionary to the average person, but I maybe mean, the average and, uneducated person that doesn't understand, you know, constitution. I can't remember if, they, the guy. If, if most people would just take the libertarian test. You can take it online, and like it, you would be. Most people are surprised. Myself, I was I was very surprised how libertarian most people really are in this country. And Over 45%. Percent. Yeah. The, uh, people just don't the know. The rest it. of the voting block is split between R&D. But yet they won't vote yeah. for, probably won't vote for John. I can't remember the guy who was running every time the presidential race came out, libertarian candidate, but he wasn't, he wasn't good. He wasn't a good speaker. He, wasn't, he didn't present well. Cannot remember his name. But Ross Perot? No, no, no. No, he was independent. No. Um, Anyway, Gary's much better because he's been in politics for a while. Face it, you know, it doesn't hurt to have someone that knows the the game. But he's admitted that he wants less. And same with Bill Weld. They're both, I think they both were Republicans, I believe, but yes. rather liberal socially, which most of the people are. I mean, honestly, let's face it. That's where most of the people really are, kind of socially liberal. Most people are right down the middle there. They're, they it, Once they're explained, you know, people get explained what fiscal conservative means versus actual broad blanket statement conservative fiscal conservative you can you can have liberal social uh, policies if you are a fiscal conservative but we don't have that right now correct we have such a bloated system tim said it perfectly what did you say seven different agencies yeah. you pay money to mm-hmm. seven that's it's ridiculous extortion. that's uh, no shit yeah. um I, 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 I don't it just doesn't it, include it like my vehicle registration tax. No. Oh yeah, all the different bullshit. Or my you city have to do, like, like a business license, or the money I get to pay to the county for my health department license. How much is the uh, city business license? It's only thirty bucks. I was gonna say, is it? It's almost not even worth the fucking paper it's, it's written on. So no. disgusting how cheap it is, but it's still something that has to be paid, and I don't know why you have to pay it. Like, I my thing is, is that if you if you if you to create something from nothing, which you've done. Why the hell would you ever, ever have? And you, and excuse me, let me back up here. You create something from nothing that pays to seven different agencies. Why the hell should you have to pay for a business license? Why should there be? Shouldn't the payment you because make, the government takes away your right to do something and then sells it back to you it for was, thirty dollars a year? Yeah. And if you don't pay that thirty dollars, you don't have the right to do that thing. Oh, it's great. I, I, we need another revolution. That's it. I'm not sure what it's going to take to get there. I mean, the reality, I, I don't disagree, but I just don't know. 
what level it's gonna you know may you live in interesting times and we are it's, it's very interesting now what's going on in there so long as people have their internet and their ipads and ipods and netflix and their fucking suvs with DVD players and bullshit in Disneyland and the complacency continues to exist and propagate nothing's going to change people are being spoon fed synthetic happiness and it's the status quo and it's it's okay yeah most of the most of the world doesn't have these these are kind of freedoms that's if you want to classify it or it's easy like he was saying all the little things that we're used to are accustomed to we have our flat screen TVs and Netflix and all these different things and it's not well, you pay so, the government to have those things. It's, it's true, but still, you can tune out and and uh, and not have to pay attention. And most people don't vote anyway; they just don't. And most people work for somebody that worries about the shit that I worry about. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about the shit that I have to worry about because their paycheck clears every Friday. Yep. They don't see what it takes to actually make that paycheck happen. But this is a fantastic beer. Oh, phenomenal! <laughs> it is. And that's what I like to say. Oh God, I I didn't even have the words. That's that's one of the best beers I've ever had. I happen to top, know where there's five. about thirty seven cases of that sitting. Oh, if we really want to get real rowdy on a Sunday night. To to summarize this again, where is this going to be available? The bottle release party is Thursday, June sixteenth ish. And people can buy it from you directly at the brewery. Uh, yes. Okay. And or they then, can buy it from um, a host of different retailers around Kingman, Havasu, uh, Williams, and Flagstaff. I don't think it's going to be on the shelves very long, and I'm not just saying no. that. There's no way it's going to no, be. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> it's going to be gone, and you're like, well, now what do we bottle? Sometimes I, I forget that, uh, I guess mostly seeing from the beginning, from before the beginning, five and ten gallon batches in Tim's garage all those years ago, all the way up to what Blackbridge has become I I I just I forget I forget that it's a destination I forget that people uh, come from all over the place uh, we had a, a couple come from uh, Sierra Vista well down by Sierra Luke Air, or not Luke uh, uh, what's the Air Force Base down Sierra Vista anybody you know around Phoenix yeah that, what, way past Phoenix south it's south oh, east Tucson? of Tucson yeah I can't think of the Air Force Base oh I should know this and it was and they came up we, yeah, yeah we heard uh you know, we're just doing a brewery tour. We're trying to hit all the different breweries, and we take a weekend and we drive to different breweries in, in Arizona. They drove all the way up from Sierra Vista. That's a six-hour drive. We said Air Force. Air Force Base. I think it's an Air Force. And they base. had to drive. They're probably attached to the weapons squadron. They don't know how to fly planes. Uh, well, that's a, an intelligence base. It's where, like, they're probably listening to us right now somehow. <laughs> I'm dead serious. It's one of those one of those places. Well, if they're drinking, let's see if they know how to. Oh, threw down their Air Force coin. He just threw down a challenge coin. And now we don't have any other beer to drink, though. Oh. 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 Well, that's what's for you guys. But next, some of the guys on the radio. Some intelligence officers listening in going, God damn it, I don't have my coin on me. And and he's also on the clock. Anyway, they they said, yeah, we heard about a brewery up in Kingman. And we said, how did you guys hear about us? Oh, the, I don't remember if it was the Craft Brewers Guild website. Or if it was some other, but but it was some other craft brewer group that lists all the different breweries in Arizona, and they made it the point to a point to drive six hours, come to Blackbridge, stay in Kingman overnight, and then turn around and drive back the next day. 
That's crazy. And I love that. I love that that's a thing. And I think that, like Paul said, this is going to fly off the shelves because you've never bottled anything. Hmm. First, I, first, first go around. I don't know. Knocked people, it all apart. I know a number of people now that are going to buy several cases or however it's quantified in this case. It's going to happen. It just oh, yeah. going to be quick. So, and it'll kind of, it's going to be, it's going to gain legendary status. I, I can already see that. Maybe not outside the state, although my brother has already um, said, you know, my brother, you know, uh, uh, Sean loves the darker, more malty kind of beers. The other brother, Eli's funny. They're totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Eli's, he's, he's not a hot monster kind of guy, and he, he, he's not the typical, oh, I drink IPAs because I want to, you know, the more bitter or more hoppy, the better. Not one of those guys. He loves, he loves Rive Ale. One of his favorite IPAs because there's a lot of subtle flavors to it. It's not just hops in your face punching you. And Sean is looking forward to that beer, uh, the old Pretender, and wants me to make sure I send him a bottle. So that's great. So you've already got legendary status like ten states away. I can see that happening at the very least locally. And it's I can see great. this podcast lasting all damn night because I can talk about this forever. Yeah, no shit. That we probably like shouldn't. We've got other things that are coming up this year. With a brewery that we're gonna have Tim come back, oh yeah, and dis- and discuss uh, exclusive Blackbridge uh, beer at the Oktoberfest. Yeah, Oktoberfest. that's happening. It's been shit beer for every year they've been doing it's it. It's been awful. It's not even close to real actual oh, German beer. There's an instrument there, and uh, yeah, that was odd. You should try that again. Do that one more time. Yeah, yeah, one more time. Like... Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. I like. I ca- I kind of dig it. That's odd. That's like jazz. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Fired up. <laughs> Things are getting oh weird here in the God. Cartoon Casual podcast. Well, we would like to thank Tim Schroeder. I think def- it's our first guest, I think. So, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Episode two, first guest. I did learn a couple things. We will have tequila here. Yeah, we definitely need to have tequila. That's, that's a thing. Maybe maybe for like a third segment. And now Tim's whistling. This is <laughs> <Tequila>. great. <laughs> so, Joe, take us out. God help us. Oh, take God us out of this podcast. Get the hell out of here. Uh, thanks again, Tim, for coming and talking to us. Um, big thanks for just, you know, uh, creating Blackbridge Brewery out of thin air. I, I, th- I think he knows the impact he's had on downtown, but it is true. It has changed. Uh, it's, it's changed the... the the landscape of downtown absolutely it's, it's it's improved people's lives and that's not being said lightly it's it's the truth yeah it's not lip service it's and it's the it's factual truth none of us in this room have any reason to kiss your ass so it's true i think you know that but thanks again for coming on the show and thanks for bringing this fantastic I, new bottle actually i think you guys do have reason to kiss my ass i, I really think paul likes being my pilot pilot kind flying like, me around in the serious like that yeah yeah so. no i i, I do I'm, i think joe likes you know ha- hanging out and working the brewery and stuff so but it's a lot of fun fuck you guys very much and uh i'll, <laughs> I'll see you next time yeah make sure you look for old pretender on the shelves <laughs> It's an all right beer. Fucking love you guys. And thanks for tuning in. Cartoon Casual. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Till next time.
Thank you.